0: This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday.
1: Good afternoon for a special live edition of NFL Friday covering all things Super Bowl Forty Nine. Kelly Colt is Christian O'Hara here in New York, and we have Drew Casey and Matt Crow out in Glendale, Arizona, and they're joined by a very special guest to start this special live edition of NFL Friday, a WFUV alum, Bob Papa. Drew?
2: Kelly, thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for getting us all set up. And, you know, we brought the rain to Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) Last night we were walking around. We were expecting, you know, the 60s and 70s and we brought the rain, and somebody who came in last night is Bob Papa, joined by us now here on WFUV. Bob, how has uh, how is the few hours that you've been in Phoenix been, it's been so good. far?
3: It's been good. I mean, uh, I have different memories of being here the last time for the Super Bowl, which was Super Bowl 42 when the Giants won, but it's a good city. Uh, they, they know how to stage this event, and uh, it's good to be here. Unfortunately, the weather hasn't cooperated, but it's okay.
2: It should cooperate on Sunday, and they can always, you know, make it an indoor environment if they have to. Just, to, just to get us started. Last year, the Super Bowl was in New York, uh, mm-hmm. New Jersey. All the festivities there. Here, it's Phoenix, Glendale, Scottsdale. This area. From the, from the limited time you've been here so far, how do you think the experience uh, has, surrounding the game has has been? New York versus Phoenix this year.
3: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I've talked to a bunch of my friends that. Are on radio row from different radio stations around the country. And they really liked the New York experience. You know, how often do you get to go to New York and, and stay in midtown Manhattan and all the sites and all the things that, you know, took place last year. So I think it was well represented. This is more like a typical Super Bowl that you come to, um, you know, just the, the gigantic convention center and all this other stuff. So, you know, I think it's got its pros and its cons. Obviously, last year it was freezing cold during the week. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was a little bit of a damper. Here, obviously, even though we have rain, you know, the weather's warm. So you got the PGA Tour in town. So there's a lot of buzz surrounding the game. The thing that was different about New York was, you know, New York kept going last year. Here the town stops, you know, to embrace, you know, the golf tournament and the Super Bowl. Whereas in New York, you know, once you got out of the uh, Super Bowl area, that Times Square area, it was just business as usual, New Yorkers being New Yorkers. So a little bit different vibe that way.
4: Absolutely. And uh, the vibe here in the last week or so has been not quite so much 100% focused on football. Obviously, you got the sideshows with uh, Deflate Gate for the Patriots and and marshawn lynch um kind of in his refusal to answer answer the media's questions before we get to football what do you think on on those two uh kind of side shows that we have had
3: well i mean first of all with the marshawn lynch thing the commissioner talked about it today about you know kind of a responsibility that you have to sort of do the job as best you can and that's part of the job is you know all the players are to promote the game look I get Marshawn Lynch's anxieties and different things that he has, but I also recognize the fact that he's a brand. I mean, Beast Mode. It's a website. He's selling hats. He wore a hat that's going to get him fined probably uh, during media day. So what he's done is he's kind of taken the image of, like, the heavyweight champion from, like, the 1930s and 40s when there was one heavyweight champion in the world, and he was considered the baddest man on the planet. Marshawn Lynch is marketing himself that way. You know, and everybody's looking to cash in, so I guess why not he? And then you got the deflate gate stuff and all that. Uh, At least we spent so much time talking about it last week. At least now it feels more like we're into the game. And the league will make their announcement and their findings whenever they do, whatever punishments, if they find anything or reason to punish them. That'll all come out after the Super Bowl. But right now, it's more about the game.
2: And are you happy that the conversation has really
3: shifted yes. from
2: that to the game? Because we've heard differing opinions. Some people want it to be talked about more.
3: No, I'm, I'm uh, you know, doing the show on Serious NFL Radio every morning. I mean, we spent, last week, we spent two consecutive shows. I mean, eight straight hours with nothing but Deflate Gate. And after a while, everyone's just guessing. Because we're all going off a report from a league source leaked information that 11 of the 12 balls were underinflated. We haven't heard anything definitively from the league yet, and there's been no findings or no resolution, so everybody's just guessing right now, and I'm tired of the guesswork.
4: Absolutely, and moving on to the game, uh, you got a matchup of two quarterbacks, one towards the end of his career, one just at the beginning. But they both started off with very similar starts, um, you know, strong defenses, getting to Super Bowls early on mm-hmm. despite being, you know, not first-round draft picks. In this matchup, what quarterback do you think will have the, uh, the, the advantage?
3: Well, Brady's a better thrower of the football. There's no question. I mean, we, and we saw, you know, Russell Wilson is more like a, a Fran Tarkington where he scrambles around and he breaks your heart with using his legs to create plays downfield. You know, so you you take a look at his style of play, and then you take a look at Brady's style of play, two different styles. But, you know, these teams are very similar in a lot of ways, too, because they don't beat themselves. They play smart football. Uh, They have great secondaries. They want to use a running game. And I I think it's kind of fascinating to see if Brady can win his first Super Bowl in 10 years and get his fourth Super Bowl. Can Russell Wilson do something that's really special and win back-to-back, which hasn't been done since... Brady and the Patriots so there's a zillion storylines here the fact that Belichick replaced Pete Carroll in New England I mean you know it's it's endless when you look at the storylines
2: one of those storylines is is obviously on defense uh, in the secondary specifically for both the Patriots and the Seahawks the Seahawks a little banged up probably have the stronger personnel they there at 100 percent you've got Richard Sherman Earl Thomas notably you look at the Patriots Uh, Brendan Browner goes from Seattle to New England he's in in that secondary New England both teams show that they can play defense. Do you think, or uh, in the secondary specifically, do you think that either one of the defensive backs, uh, the, the set of defensive backs on these teams, has an edge to really will their team to victory?
3: Not really. I mean, I think overall the safeties are better for Seattle, although Devin McCourty's an outstanding player. But you, you do wonder about Earl Thomas's shoulder and Richard Sherman's elbow. I mean, of course. not so much in, in, in pass defense, but if they're forced to tackle a lot. You know, if, if New England can get their running game going and force those guys to make tackles, will they hold up throughout the course of the game? You know, that that's something that you want to keep your eye on because I think, you know, when you look at this game, neither team has, like, great receivers. I mean, they're, they're good players. Um, they're, they're, they fit well within the system that they use. But there's no, you know, Calvin Johnson-ish type player. So I think this game is a little bit old school where you're going to see it played at a little bit more of a slowed down pace.
4: Obviously, uh, you talked a little bit about the uh, storyline of the coaches, uh, Belichick replacing Carroll in New England. Um, they, they they come to this game with extremely different mindsets in their coaching strategy. Carroll more fun, gets really animated on the sideline. Belichick more all about business, you know, doing your job, uh, more serious. Do you think either one of those kind of strategies has an advantage with their players in this game?
3: I don't think so, because I think the players are accustomed to that style. It's interesting, though. Last week on my show, we interviewed Drew Bledsoe, who played for Pete Carroll in New England and then played for Bill Belichick in New England. He said, you know, it's interesting because Pete Carroll is fun-loving and you see him hugging people and rah, 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 rah. Belichick is very, uh, you know, robotic almost, you know, not a dynamic personality. But I've known Bill Belichick since 1988 when he was with the Giants. And there's a whole other side of him. If you know him and, 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 and the people that know him, I don't know him great, but I know him pretty well, there's a whole other side to him that's fun. He's got a great sense of humor, likes to mess around a little bit. And I think in the framework of his team, they, they feed off that. And they, and they know when they can mess with him. Like there's a great story um, when the Patriots were winning those titles in the earlier part of the decade. Uh, he would still, with the defensive guys in the defensive meeting room, he would still break out the old tapes of how the Giants played defense. And he would show those guys, you know, look, look at how Carl Banks played, you know, the strong side, and, and he would constantly look at LT, look at Leonard Marshall, look at Harry Carson, and he would show the Patriot guy So one day in practice, after they had won, I think, their third Super Bowl, like the next season, Uh, He had finished another meeting, a a film session. I think it was in training camp. And um, he had just finished showing them more Giants tape from 86. And Mike Vrabel got the equipment guy to get him a Giant helmet. And Vrabel put a Giant helmet on and came running out to practice. And he ran by Belichick. And he goes, hey, Bill, is this good enough? I got a Giant (laughs) helmet on. I mean, we've won a couple titles. We think we know what we're doing. So, and he likes to mess around that way. So, and the one thing Drew Bledsoe said to me that was interesting, he said, as dissimilar as the coaches seem, on the inside within the framework of the team and the building, he goes, they're actually very much alike. They don't take any kind of being late. They don't mess around with not knowing your assignments. They don't mess around with guys not taking notes in meetings. And if you're on the practice field and you're not doing things the right way, he said, Pete Carroll will get on you just like Belichick will. And look what they did with Percy Harvin. Yeah, I mean, they got rid of The dude helped him win the Super Bowl last year, and they got rid of him right in the middle of the season, too. Bob, before
2: we get an expectation or a prediction, perhaps, uh, back in New York, Kelly and Christian, anything uh, for Bob Papa?
1: Hey, hey Bob, it's Kelly. I just have a quick question, too. One of the players we talked about who has really kind of flown under the radar so far this week is Rob Gronkowski. He really feel like he hasn't been in a lot of the headlines that Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman have been making. What kind of impact do you expect to see him have, especially if Seattle secondary isn't at 100%?
3: It's going to be interesting because he presents a unique matchup problem. The one thing Seattle has going for them, though, is they have Cam Chancellor, uh, who is a dynamic player at safety, who brings great size, who can who can cover a guy like Gronkowski. Not a lot of teams have a guy like that. And then they have fast athletic linebackers like K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner, who I think also can match up with Gronkowski. So I think he's going to get a lot of different looks. But the thing that you got to remember is, New England is very good at being versatile. Think about the game against the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship. I mean, Gronkowski had no catches until the second half, and they were still winning the game comfortably. So if Gronkowski can be used to tie up extra personnel, look for the Patriots to use some weird other matchup somewhere else that we're not even thinking about as the weakness that they'll try to exploit. But I think Gronkowski has a big impact on the game, whether he has statistical numbers or he doesn't. I think he still influences how Seattle's going to have to play New England.
5: Bob, Christian O'Hara here back at the Rose Hill studio. Uh, I just want to know, you know, something that's not talked about a whole lot by the media. It's, it's not a sexy thing to talk about, but special teams. You know, New England has Julian Edelman back there. He might not be a Devin Hester type in, in terms of returning the football for touchdowns, but he does seem to get New England good field position, 20, 30-yard returns. I'm interested to see, you know, and especially with Seattle, they had a couple special teams gaffes in the NFC Championship game. What do you think, how do you think that will impact the game in terms of field position and, you know, position for points?
3: Well, you're talking with some Seattle fans over the last two weeks. That is an area that they are concerned about because Percy Harvin last year gave them a dynamic weapon that put the fear in, you know, the hearts of the opposition on return. They don't really have that. They haven't created or generated great field position which is probably one of the reasons why their scoring is down this year they're not as effective offensively as they were so I think you look at New England you know having a slight edge when it comes to the return game obviously Seattle showed against Green Bay their first touchdown was scored on special teams with the fake field goal Uh, and I think Pete Carroll is one of those guys that kind of has the guts to try something out of the norm to get his team sparked
2: Anything else back in New York, or should we go to prediction time with Bob Popper?
1: I think that's it from us, Drew.
2: All right. Prediction time. I Bob, expectations? Way, I love the way
3: you guys have really diversified over the years. <laughs> <Thank> you you. <laughs> have People in New York, Thanks, <laughs> you have guys. This is awesome. <laughs> Very professional.
2: Uh, any any prediction or expectation for Super Bowl Forty Nine? Yeah, I
3: think it's going to be a tight game. Um, I just feel like New England's going to get back in the win column here in the Super Bowl. Um Seattle's defense is not as dominant. as They're not as dominant a team as they were last year. Last year they were awesome, and I picked them to win the football game last year on Friday. I, I just feel like New England is going to find a way. I think Belichick, they're going to see some very interesting alignments that none of us have really thought about when their defense is on the field to try to take away Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson and force Russell Wilson to be in the pocket and have to make accurate throws to beat him. Uh, and I think New England's going to win it. They're going to get a touchdown midway through, late fourth quarter, and I think they're going to win the game
2: 24-20. You heard it here first, live from Radio Row in Phoenix, Arizona. Bob Papa, thanks so much, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Guys,
3: you, everybody back in the studio, you guys make me proud. This is awesome stuff. Uh, very professional and well done. Show so sounds thanks. great. Thanks, thanks Bob. Bob. Thank, Thank you. you. Good Bob. seeing you.
2: Guys, take it away in New York.
1: All right, Drew, great interview there with Matt and Drew on site there. and I think. Bob gave us some really interesting insights. We welcome in Christian O'Hara. I know we got you in the interview a little, but we haven't heard you besides that. How's it
5: going, Kelly? Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously, Bob Papa, WFUV product, one of the best in the business. Um, Yeah, you know, he he gave us a really in-depth look into the game, into, you know, certain storylines surrounding the game. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how the game plays out. And obviously, you know, great talking to Bob, as always.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about some of the things he mentioned, You know, he talked a lot. I like your question about the special teams, too, one of the things we asked him about. And just really, he gave us a lot of insights into some different areas, too, which we mentioned, you know. I agree with him. I'm tired of talking about deflaking. I'm tired of talking about the the off-the-field things. Yes, Marshawn Lynch's things are much more fresh in our minds because they happened this week. But I'm glad, like he said, to get back to talking about the game.
5: Absolutely. And you know what? For the NFL, you know, it it came at the the worst possible time. You know, these are... The two best teams in the NFL, number one seed in the AFC, number one seed in the NFC. So you want to be talking about the game, the one then, versus one. Yeah, like we haven't heard exactly, that a lot exactly. Either. You know, and, and actually, you know, it's for the second year in a row, but only the third time in twenty-one years. So uh, let's get to talking to some football. You know, I uh, I'm sick and tired of the Deflategate. That will come later after the game. Let's focus on the great game in a great atmosphere in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Absolutely, too. I mean, it's ironic, too, talking about how the weather hasn't been exactly on point for them so far, but still a little warmer than it is here back in New York, and I think that that obviously won't be a factor. I know, which is funny. Last year with the Super Bowl, everyone was worried about snow and right. weather was yeah. just such a huge part of the preparation for Super Bowl week, and that's completely out of the game now. I
5: think uh, last year at MetLife at kickoff, it might have been fifty-five degrees. Oh, it was beautiful. It was it was beautiful. The you lead know. up was
1: hysterical. Yeah, exactly. The,
5: the, the, the it was freezing during the week, and and I think you know somebody was was or people were concerned about a blizzard. You know, is this such a great idea? And you know, obviously the football gods granted uh, New York that one day because I think it snowed actually maybe a couple days after the game it
0: did. I believe. and
5: um but yeah i mean out in arizona i don't think we'll have too many problems it might be raining now but again the football gods will have it rain during the week and they'll have it be you know 65 and sunny during during the game so uh i i think we're in for a great game i can't wait to talk about it
1: absolutely and you know before we get back to talking about really some of the x's and o's in the game the patriots offense seattle's defense seattle's offense we're gonna send it back to drew casey and matt Crow in arizona
2: Well, guys, thanks very much. Uh, Now joined by Glenn Laraman of StubHub Communications, their uh, division there. We're going to talk about Super Bowl ticket prices. Sure. Glenn, they're through the roof.
0: What's going on? You know, there's a couple of things going on. Um, We saw more tickets sold in the first week after the championship game than we've ever seen in history know, 5x what we did last year in New York. And I think New York was a bit of an aberration last year because everyone was so worried about the weather leading into the game, so there were less tickets sold. But, you know, this is extreme even for previous bountiful years. So what you're seeing now in the second week is there's just very little inventory left, and so prices are sky high.
2: And, and what... At the at the current moment, what would you say that the, the the average market price for for one ticket into Sunday's game would be, just give or take?
0: Give or take, right now on the open market, it's probably in the ten or eleven thousand dollar range. Ooh. Now, that's not indicative of what has sold in the last you know overall. Overall, the average price has been about thirty five hundred. So you can see how much the market has changed over there course of the last few weeks
4: so it's that it's that you know shortage in demand StubHub right now only has 250 tickets available that's you know rising the price to to such an exorbitant amount
0: yeah that's correct I mean normally on the Friday before a Super Bowl you know you'll see upwards of a 1, thousand fifteen hundred tickets so it's a huge disparity in what we've seen in the past you also have less seats in this stadium than you do in any other Super Bowl stadium there's ten thousand less than there were last year at MetLife and so, you know, that's playing a contributing factor, and and the Seattle fans are just traveling for this game.
6: Man, Seattle's 12th man does yeah. really do
2: the job. Um, y- you look at something like... Um, do you expect more tickets to be listed as the game day gets closer? I know it's all individual sellers using StubHub as a service.
0: I, you know, I think it's possible. Look, if I lived here in Arizona and I was somebody who had bought a ticket to the Super Bowl, I'd be relisting it right now and selling it because I probably bought a ticket for $2,000 and now I could get 10000 for it. So, you know, for the price you could, you know, would you rather go to the game or would you rather have, you know, your own man cave to watch the game because you can probably build one for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a nice return on investment <laughs> exactly. there for sure. Exactly.
4: And, uh, and and we have your we have your buyer kind of demographic statistics here. Washington with twenty percent of the tickets sold, Massachusetts with only six percent. Do you think that there will be a noticeable uh, presence of more Seahawks fans in the stadium than Patriots?
0: I think, w- without question. And, and we saw it last year at MetLife. I mean, I couldn't believe how loud the Seahawks fans were last year, and I think it's going to be, you know, much worse this year or, or much better depending on where you are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, typically the Patriots don't travel as well, probably because they've been to six Super Bowls in the last 15 years. So, you know, and plus, you know, be, you know between the Red Sox World Series, you know, the, the Bruins, the Celtics, they, they've seen a lot of success in Boston. These people have shelved out a lot of money over the last 15 years. Seattle hasn't seen the same thing.
2: And for Super Bowl tickets and for really any sporting event, especially a, a major one like this, sometimes things that come into question are security of tickets. Sure. The, um, you know, that they're, they're real tickets and not fabricated or duplicated tickets. Yep. You guys obviously have that concern, especially since the tickets are coming in from sellers. Have you ever had an issue? Do you, Have there been any issues with that sort of thing on the open market?
0: We, we personally in up history have never had – a ticket that didn't work to get into the Super Bowl. And the and, and, and Super Bowl is a little different because there are so many different unique identifying marks on the ticket, from watermarks to uh, holograms on them. In, in fact, uh, an interesting tidbit is that a Super Bowl ticket is actually made with better quality than currency is. So, you know, it's not hard to figure out if this is an invalid ticket. We've certainly had sellers try to pass off invalid tickets to us but you know it's pretty easy to shine a black light and say you know this this isn't going to (laughs) work
4: and so i mean you you look at the StubHub site today and you'll see upper corner section 419 those tickets are going for nine grand a pop what would be the face value of those
0: tickets if you had bought them say when when they were released probably a thousand dollars nine hundred dollars somewhere along those lines um yeah i mean and, and typically you know two days before the super bowl those tickets are usually in the two thousand dollar range you know double face value and and as you get to sunday they start sliding to face value and even below so this is a real anomaly what we're seeing this year
2: and last question before you let before we let you go there's not just the super bowl in phoenix we also have a golf tournament the phoenix open at tpc of scottsdale have you seen an uptick in, in t- getting tickets, you know, selling tickets to that uh, event, which you might not have seen otherwise?
0: Yeah, we've seen a huge uptick, and I think you know there's a combination of factors. It's Super Bowl week in the same city, so you have people who are in town already and want to go, and then of course you have the Tiger factor. Uh, after shooting an 82 today, I don't think you're <laughs> going to see the Tiger factor over the weekend. Um, so we you know we'll probably see He wanted to see the Super Bowl
2: that's why. That's he exactly wanted, right. wanted to watch the game. He
0: wanted to go to the game.
2: <laughs> Glenn, thanks so much. Uh, we'll send it back to New York now. Kelly, Christian, you know how to get to the Super Bowl. Find the money and we'll see you on Sunday.
1: Let me uh, let me just reach into my back pocket, yeah. Drew. That like a good idea. i have yeah, my... that nine thousand sitting right here.
2: Absolutely, you know,
5: I, I make about six figures a year. I can, I can shell that out
1: <laughs> right here at no WFUV. Problem. Six <laughs> figures for both Christian and I. I. Think that sounds about right. So we have no problem going to sit. You know, maybe we'll go for the splurge for the bigger ticket. Yeah, too. yeah. Why don't we just Why go all out? Exactly. exactly. Let's make go sit on the field. Twenty five thousand. Go into the middle of yeah, the stadium I mean, somewhere. Get
5: on the sideline. How about that?
1: That'd be perfect. That'd be great. But um, some really interesting things there, too. Things related to the game, not necessarily the game on the field, but it's something we don't think about a lot. And I kind of want to get Drew and Matt's take on this interview once I know they're done closing things up there, making sure things are all good in Arizona, but... Especially, too, with the crowds there, $9,000 mm. to see a game. Don't get me wrong, going to the Super Bowl is a dream of mine, and I do plan to do it someday. Right, absolutely, me too. $9,000 sounds like a lot to sell out for one game.
5: Especially, you know, if you're not a fan of either of these teams, I don't know why you would do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you can afford it, then, you know, that's 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 your prerogative. But um, oh $9,000, you know how many things you can buy with $9,000 or things you can pay off, you know? Exactly,
1: like, with $9,000. It, it's, it's
5: unbelievable, but hey, you know, this is... This is the NFL. This is this is today's NFL. You know, it just football is a religion in this country, and people will shell out massive amounts of money to go to go see the biggest game of them all.
1: Absolutely, and I think that the state of the NFL too. Roger Goodell had his state of the NFL address earlier today. It seemed like that went on for about an hour. Took a while, a little less than an hour, but it went on for it felt like was more than an hour. Right, and he kind of went through. I guess the thing, he didn't really go through much on that, but I think some of the things he mentioned, too, just kind of proved to me that the NFL still is king no matter what mm. just because they can say whatever they have to say and they can go around things and make Absolutely. things sound great as best they can and no one's going to question them on it t- to a degree because they are the NFL and they control so much.
5: You know the NFL is king when on a Saturday afternoon, CNN cuts out of their programming to talk about the air pressure in a football. <laughs> Um, You know, I don't think you can really illustrate it, you know, any better than that. And it's just it's just it's going to continue to be that way for a long time.
1: Absolutely, too. But, you know, people have been paying this kind of money to go to this game. Obviously, some people bought it before. Tickets weren't as expensive. But I want to know from Drew and Matt, if we have them here, what the atmosphere kind of like what it kind of is like there in Arizona right now. If anyone if uh, Drew and Matt are there.
2: Buying our tickets to the game, you know. I'm looking through my wallet. I've only got a light rail ticket. I don't think they can exchange that <laughs> very. I don't think that works. Um, now the atmosphere, um, Matt, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's
4: very cool here. Um, they have they have Radio Row here set up right next to the fan gallery. Um, so you know, right to our left, there's uh, just hundreds of fans. Every you you could see every different uh, NFL jersey in attendance. I don't know how all these people are are, are getting out here. Um, but tons of you know games for kids. They have fe- turf fields around, and then I mean outside the atmosphere is great as well. Uh, the the area that um, that the Super Bowl kind of activities are in ha- has been very fun.
1: And it's just so we know it's a special live edition of NFL Friday. Kelly Colts' is Christian O'Hara here in New York. We have Drew Casey and Matt Crow out in Arizona. We'll be live with you on the internet till about five five thirty. We have a couple of great guests coming up too. We have. We'll be talking to some representatives from Wallet Hub to kind of get their take, similar to StubHub, seeing some off-the-field things related to the Super Bowl. And we'll be chatting with Agent Lee Steinberg coming up a little bit after that. Both interviews, I think, I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure the guys in Arizona are as well.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing these infographics about the Super Bowl. No spoilers alert, but it, it involves a lot, a lot of food, and I mean a lot of food. So, so you're you better stay tuned. I'm going to fr- be
1: hungry this entire time. Drew, is that what
2: you're telling me? Well, I mean, you might not be be hungry until 4:30 in the ESA, but then you'll after the interview is over around 4:45 or so. Yeah, yeah, you might want to get some dinner. And maybe just run out on, on NFL Friday and come back or something like that. <laughs> sounds like a or what? Order, Bob would order something that. right now. Order something right now.
1: Oh, sounds perfect. Have it delivered here for our live edition of NFL Friday, and guys. Kind of moving away before we get back into some of the uh, wallet hub and things that are off-the-field related, moving back onto the field, I know Christian was talking before about the special teams and how that's going to play into today's fact, uh, the games factor on Sunday as we kind of move back towards the game. So, Christian, what were some of the things that you think is going to be kind of a key for these teams in the Super Bowl?
5: Um, in, in regards to special teams? Special teams, or? Or? Okay. yeah, sorry. Um, you know, I think that for New England, um, Julian Edelman's going to have to, you know, just, just be consistent. You know, he's, he's, he's broke, broken off runs of, you know, 20, 30, 40 yards here uh, in these past few playoff games, and, and he's returned the ball pretty well. And, and, I mean, I think that as long as New England stays to who they are and what they do and doing their jobs on, in regards to special teams, I think that the opportunities will be there for New England to capitalize on because, as you saw in the NFC title game, you know, the Seahawks don't have that guy like in, in Percy Harvin that, you know, Pop, Bob Papa mentioned earlier. And, you know, they fumbled the ball in the kickoff. I mean, again, but but they also showed positives with Pete Carroll gambling, for, you know, using that fake field goal and, and, and mm-hmm. scoring a touchdown on that. But I and the my onside, po- right, and the onside kick, it, it's just you poor Brandon Bostic. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that um, the opportunities will be there for New England. And again, like I said, Julian Edelman doesn't have to turn into Devin Hester in the Super Bowl. He just has to get them in a position where it it makes it easier for Tom Brady, easier for Rob Gronkowski to limit the amount of plays that they have to be on the field against Seattle's defense because the longer you keep them snapping in New England's offense, something's going to go wrong. So you know what? I think setting up short field is a tremendous key to the success of New England's offense, and I think it's something that will be overlooked, that is overlooked.
4: Yeah, I mean, Christian, I got to totally agree with you there. Um, Julian Edelman this year has been a monster returning punts for New England, averaging 12 yards uh, per punt return. And I mean, if, if that if that punt return puts him on the other side of the 50, right. the Patriots are the Patriots are great uh, moving the ball. So I mean, giving giving them a short field is such an advantage.
2: And then from the Seattle perspective, uh, from from this morning's press conference with both uh, head coaches Bill Belichick and uh, and Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick when asked if, if you know what did he wish he could do better as a coach, and that was, and his answer to that question was, you know I wish my, you know I, m- my players would play super 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 hard every single play until the wh- final whistle of the game. And he said from the opening kickoff, and yes, you better believe the opening kickoff in all special teams, the Seattle Seahawks really play, you know every down every down hard. They don't take any downs off, so that could play a role in special teams. Um, but for me personally. I mean, th- this never gets talked about, never at all. But I think it's gonna. Cu- it could come down to you know a field goal at the end. Look at New England's past Super Bowl championships. They Adam Vinatieri. Oh, Adam yeah. Vinatieri. <laughs> this year, you look at Stephen Hauschka of Seattle and Stephen Gostowski of New England, both spelled with the PH. That's also my middle name, so maybe I'll kick a field goal in this game. <laughs> but and spelled that same way. But Stephen Hauschka. Um, both attempted 38 field goals on the season. Hauschka's made 32. Gustavsky's made 36. 36 out of 38 And pretty much anything you do in life is incredible, especially kicking a football through the uprights in the NFL. 13 field goals over 40 yards. I think the special team's edge, because of that, for me, it goes to the New England Patriots, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they'll win the game.
1: Absolutely, Drew. I think that, you know, just kind of what Christian mentioned, too, the fact that we have just these different aspects of the game people aren't talking about so much i do think a lot of it's going to come down to is if one of the teams decides to get um creative too with their special teams play in this game too because you know these are two very masterful coaches who come up with game plans that no one expects right. i think papa alluded to that too bob papa who we had on before When he mentioned, you know, we're going to see some schemes and designs from New England that we haven't seen because Belichick's a master of that.
5: And, you know, it's a credit to New England. It's just a credit to how good of a coach Bill Belichick is. You know, despite all this stuff that, you know, they've been caught cheating once, now maybe twice, you can't take away from Bill Belichick's accomplishments because he is that good of a coach, and he was he's a Parcells guy. You know, Mm -hmm. they've had enjoyed tremendous success. This is Bill Belichick's sixth uh, Super Bowl as a head coach, but this is his ninth Super Bowl as a coach overall. I think, um, you know, it, it's he ties, right. Exactly. He, he ties Dan Reeves in that regard. So, when you look at it, I think that um, they'll they'll again, Kelly, alluding to your point, they'll come out. Josh McDaniels probably has a few tricks up his sleeve. Oh, I think you know, he absolutely. I does. I think that they're going to line up in some wacky, funky formations to try to get Seattle off off guard. Seattle can say that they're ready for it, and you know, you know, um, read their keys and stuff like that, play assignment football, and that's great. But what happens if 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 McDaniels comes up with a package that Seattle or nobody's ever seen before, and it's legal and it's it's, it's within the rules and you know all the eligible ineligible stuff. Um, you know it'll be interesting to see how Seattle reacts to that. And you know New England likes to switch up the tempo on offense; they can go at you hard, hard, and then they can you know methodically move their way down the field. And again, going back to special teams, my last point here, I saw in the in the Denver game up up in New England. I guess it was in November. Um, New England was, was had a fourth and one, and they sent their special teams out there to punt the ball. Then, as soon as Denver got their special teams guys on the field and the referees blew the whistle, New England raced that offense back out out onto the field and lined up to up, to, to start a play. The only reason that they didn't get that first down was because they had a false start penalty.
7: Cause they and weren't so, fast enough. W-
5: yeah, exactly. So look, look for that kind of trickery, that deception that is completely legal within the rule books, mm. And New England will try to exploit oh, that. Um, you know, I- I've, against got, Seattle. I've
2: got something for you on the completely legal stuff. <laughs> as, 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 and we're talking about football only, football, of course. Um, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll again at that press conference earlier today. The question was asked going back, you know, to to the the semifinal game in the AFC about in the Ravens game, the Patriots when they, um, you know, there were some formations used that were questioned after the game, and, and Coach Harbaugh, Harbaugh of the Ravens was uh, not happy about it. The question was asked, you know, how how have the referees told you that they're going to communicate to the sideline before the play is snapped who is eligible and who is not? Well, they're not going to stop the game and say, Mr. Kyle, this guy is eligible. Mr. Belichick, this guy is eligible. Now we right. can play the game. <laughs> Could you so, imagine that? Yeah, so yeah. Bill Belichick, in his fashion, says, in short, that's not my job. Uh, that that's just not my job to do and then the question the answer from Pete Carroll goes well you know I respect the Patriots and I respect Bill Belichick's um, and the coaching staff's ability to create these innovative formations and to challenge the officials and and I guess their concept of what the rules are we better hope they understand that and he said I don't think there'll be any issue and and I'm not too concerned about that but wow what if something crazy like that were to happen
4: yeah, I mean that that would be wild, and I think that it's very interesting that the referees and the NFL decided to implement this for the Super Bowl. I mean, it's never it's never been a rule before. And on Thursday during Pete Carroll's press conference, um, he explained that whenever there was an eligible uh, in, ineligible, I'm sorry, receiver on the field, the referees will point at that player and signify the missed touchdown sign. Uh, basically to, to show the Seahawks that he is ineligible. So I'm kind of wondering what effect that will have on the Patriots formations. Obviously it's just it's just how they're set up so it has nothing to do with the play but it might take a little bit of the surprise factor out of it um, and, and make the Seahawks D a a little bit more prepared. And you
5: know guys, I, I going off that point you know the referees will point out the ineligible man. I'm interested to see how on their toes they're going to be. You know, if, especially if the Patriots run that no huddle, they want to snap the ball quickly. Basically, as soon as, as, the, as the referee spots the ball, the wing likes to go a lot, and you know what? If they come out in one of those formations, it's going to be interesting to see if the referees, you know, maybe even stop play. I don't think that'll happen, but, you know, they have to really be on their P's and Q's this game.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, the head referee, as our producer Pat Burns put in our show notes, is Bill Vinovich, who was the referee for the Ravens Patriots in the divisional round game, which everyone will point to as when the Ravens kind of tipped off the Colts coming into the game to like, hey, watch out for the football. So I'm sure that's going to get talked about, too, as we get closer to Sunday, just because of the relationship that he has with this whole deflate ongoing scandal.
2: You know, no, you stole you stole my point, but uh, very very I'm nice. Sorry, Sarah I'm very sorry. Nice you think say. alike. <laughs> no, we have the, we have the same nose in front of us. But <laughs> it, 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 will, it will be interesting to see how how you know the officials do respond. And I totally agree with you, uh, Christian, in that they have a challenge in front of them. There's no doubt about that. The referees have a challenge ahead of them for sure.
5: Well, you know, guys. You know, you talk about you know let's let's get to the the, the X's and O's here. You know, you talk about Seahawks' great defense against New England's great offense. But one matchup that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, or maybe as much, uh, similar to special teams, is Seattle's offense against New England's defense. Now, from, from a, you know objective, you know, from, from a person who doesn't watch football, you, 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 you'd look at the game and you'd say, who do you need to stop? Mm-hmm. And you'd look at Russell Wilson and you'd look at Marshawn Lynch. And you know what? I think the game plan for New England is probably just as simple as that. If they can limit those two on the ground, and I'm not saying completely shut them down, I'm saying maybe get their yards, you so know. So not
1: like the Giants right, game where not, Seattle had them running just, all over oh the field. Oh my fields. god, it
5: just that drove me nuts. But that's <laughs> that's a different story. It not limit, you know, not sh- completely shut them down. You know, rush for 20 yards at the end of the game. You know, Marshawn Lynch, you know, halfway through the second half in the NFC Championship game had over 100 yards on the ground. So if they can limit those big plays, I'm talking about it, in the rushing game and make uh, excuse me Russell Wilson beat them from the pocket, I think that helps New England's chances tremendously.
4: Yeah, well, well, Christian, um, Bob Papa was talking about um, basically who who do who does uh, the Seahawks have for wide receivers? They have Kearse.
3: Doug Baldwin. Yeah,
4: Doug. I mean, Jermaine Curse, he's fast, yeah, but is he a is he a superstar? Absolutely not. And Doug Baldwin probably will be shut down by Darrell Revis. Uh, I, I I don't see him making many big plays, and so I mean that puts a lot of pressure on on Russell Wilson at the quarterback and and Marshawn at the running back, that if the Patriots can shut them down, uh, I'm I'm not sure where the Seahawks will turn.
2: But even if they do shut, you know, they're able to shut down the passing game for the Seahawks, you still got to defend Marshawn Lynch, and there's a reason that it's all all beast mode and all all of of, of those things. He's tough to bring down, and, you know, Russell Wilson is a pretty good uh, scamperer and and creating plays with his legs. Mm -hmm. But something that's interesting to me is that New England, both teams have lost four games this season, in two of those losses, New England gave up 193 rushing yards to Noshawn Marino and Lamar Miller from Miami. And then when they played against Kansas City, Jamal, Jamal Charles and Niall Davis went for 199 on the ground. So, you know, when they give up big rushing games in the, in the 150 range, 200-yard range, it it's, doesn't look good for them. And Marshawn Lynch is, is definitely a guy who can do that. and uh perhaps could will the Seahawks to their second consecutive Super Bowl victory
5: well
1: absolutely Drew I think that's kind of keying off a of Christian's point there I think that that's what you have to do I think that if I am Bill Belichick and the Patriots I'm stacking eight guys in the box against yeah. Russell Wilson and I'm saying all right you know what beat me one-on-one on the outside go ahead put it on your arm see if you can beat me there you do not want to let Marshall Lynch get free because you decided to just send you know stick five guys in the box and drop everybody else into right. coverage there's not really a need to with the Seattle team if Doug Baldwin or Curse makes a great play, you know, almost chalk it up good for them. Right. They outplayed us on that play.
5: Completely agree, Kelly. And, you know, I think that Belichick will use a lot more man-to-man. He's got to trust his guys. This is what Revis and Browner came to New exactly. England to it's do. Exactly, that's the whole point. They is, play man-to-man is to coverage. play man-to-man coverage, shut down the other, you know, opponents' uh, best receivers. And, and, again, feeding off that point, Seattle doesn't have the greatest receivers. They're good, solid receivers. Mm. But, you know, it's to do-your-job philosophy, we're going to do our job we're going to play man-to-man, and we're going to win the football game. And, and you know what? They're going to stack the box, and they're going to say, Russell Wilson, you have to beat us through the air. And if you do that, I tip, your, I tip my cap. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if he doesn't, which I don't think he will, we'll get into that later, it, it'll be, it'll be uh, a fourth Super Bowl ring for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Because
1: let's put it this way. If I'm Tom Brady and if I'm the Patriots, I would love to be me against Russell Wilson. If I, it comes oh. down to us outdueling each other, I think, uh, I think everyone knows which way the scale right. might tip yeah, in that absolutely. favor if they're absolutely. sticking. If Russell can't get outside the pocket and he's stuck there with the game on his arm against Tom Brady's arm, I think that I know who I would pick in that matchup.
5: You know, and, and I'm interested to see guys. You know, I, I would go Brady over Wilson 10 days out of the week, even mm. though there's only seven days <laughs> in the week. So, what about you guys?
2: Well, you know, I, I wouldn't go say in ten days. Maybe four days out of seven. So wow. just A wow. little, little more than half of the time. Um, I would have said 50-50 if Russell Wilson didn't have the awful NFC Championship game because Russell Wilson, like we've just been talking about, brings that extra edge to, to his game, and that's the, you know, the running game and the ability, the ability to create plays. If you look at the other greats in the league. Aaron Rodgers can do that. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are established, but they're not really going to be scampering around and throwing on the run across their body. A lot of that for Russell Wilson, I think, has to do with just his athleticism. And, you know, he's, he's a shorter guy, um, one of the shorter quarterbacks in the NFL, of course. Um, but I, I would still take Tom Brady, like I said, just narrowly over 50% of the time. I just don't think Russell Wilson can have possibly have a worse game than he did in the NFC Championship games, throwing four interceptions to the all-intended for the uh, the curse himself, Jermaine curse. But then, of course, he went on to catch the game-winning touchdown for Seattle so uh, Tom Brady would get the edge if I had the, uh, the option to coach him uh, you know, or be the coach and, and to select who would play quarterback uh, for this team. But I think Russell Wilson might have the better game on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I mean, Brady's my guy. Uh, he always will be. But um, Russell Wilson, I think, showed a lot in that NFC Championship game um, in the fourth quarter. He played absolutely terrible the first three quarters of that game. Yet when it came down to it, he put that he put four picks behind him, and made plays and found a way to win the game. And I think that shows a lot. And um, I mean, when it when it comes down to it in a Super Bowl, uh, you, you've seen it with the Patriots before, and and you've seen it with Brady and Eli. And Eli found a way to win both those games. And so, when it comes down to it, the big time player makes the big time plays so we'll see what Russell Wilson can do
1: I'm curious what the effect of both the AFC and the NFC championship games are going to have on these teams because if you look at it Drew you brought up a really good point that Russell Wilson cannot have a worse day than he had that day he there if he does anything close to that against the Patriots this game is going to be very reminiscent of last year's Super Bowl just in the other way however I do think that I'm wondering if they build off of that knowing that the fact that they were still able to win despite that, does that give them added confidence or does that give maybe New England more confidence saying they limped in here, they they had guys banged up, they won this game by the skin of their teeth, we can take them out no problem.
2: I mean, I think it's, it's a huge advantage Seattle. Um, Seattle comes in. Because I'm you know, currently
1: split. That's why I was asking you. Uh, I'm not sure I, which I, way I'm leaning on that.
2: I think the. I guess you, we could sort of characterize that as momentum. Is that sort mm-hmm. of what we're going for? So I think the momentum from the results of the championship game is definitely with Seattle for on the field stuff and overall as well. And the reason I say that the advantage is with them is Seattle was pumped up. Seattle was really pumped up after winning that game at home in Seattle. The 12th man is in full force, just looking straight ahead uh, here at Radio Row. Uh, Four Seahawks jerseys and no Patriots jerseys, just in my immediate view. That's one thing. They've got the fan support. Yesterday at practice, get this, they were practicing inside Arizona State's bubble because of the rain. During practice, to simulate crowd noise and the environment, they just blasted hip-hop music. They just blasted hip-hop music. So they're feeling good. And um, I I think the momentum is with Seattle. But it can quickly change with Tom Brady, you know, throwing a couple of early touchdowns.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with uh, with you, Drew, on that one. I think that the Patriots, I mean, they absolutely blew the Colts out of the water. Uh, they, everything was working, their run game, their pass game, their defense. It was all on. And they look over, they, they watch that NFC championship, and they see the Seahawks as not even the best team in the NFC. They should have lost that game. They, they, they should have lost to the Packers. And they coming in. The Patriots, I think, have the advantage because of this. They, they played so dominant. And they think that, you know, if we could play that dominant one more time, we're going to win our fourth ring.
5: Matt, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that New England is firing on, on all cylinders right now. And again, if if it weren't for you know Mike McCarthy maybe mismanaging the game, Green Bay needs to make one more play in that game, and we're Turn not even, one of those field goals yeah, into a touchdown. We're not, we're not even talking about Seattle in the Super Bowl. And and again, that was in Seattle, the place where they're supposedly unbeatable. Again, you know they had that home field advantage. They they found a way to they found a way to get it done. I do agree with you, Drew, that Russell Wilson will not go out there and throw four interceptions. I do think he'll have a solid day, but. I do think that Deflategate will play tremendously into New England's favor. Bill Belichick is going to get up there in front of his team, and he's going to say, everybody is trying to discredit what we've done here. Everybody is coming after us. And, you know, if that's not motivation, I really don't know what is. I think New England is going to come out very strong early in the game.
1: I kind of think you agree with you, Christian, on this one, just because, you know, you look back through the Patriots – kind of run so far this season in the playoffs i mean they had that nail-biting win over the ravens and for some reason baltimore always gives new england fits Just a no bad matchup what, every single time and i thought too if they got past them they were going to beat denver or indianapolis whoever they had to face in the next week week and then they faced indianapolis and it was just such a statement win because that game was like 14-7, 17-7 right. at halftime, and it ended up being 45-7. They just completely shut down one of the rising stars in the NFL for the second half and made him look very ordinary and very less than what he actually is.
5: It's a great way to characterize it, Kelly. I mean, Andrew Luck, you know, people, if, if Andrew Luck had gone to New England and beaten New England, we oh, would have the, the new face of oh, the NFL. Um, but, you know, to not even put up more than a touchdown... And, you know, throw, go out there and throw two interceptions. And it's just, you know, apparently the Colts can't win in New England no matter who's at quarterback, you know, <laughs> Peyton or Andrew. But yeah, Kelly, I, I agree with you. I mean, it was 17, it was 14 nothing after, like, Five minutes. Right. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, seventeen to seven. You like to think that the Colts had a little bit of a shot, but you know what? Watching the game sitting there, once it got to twenty four seven, it was just like, "There's no way." Oh, absolutely. Andrew Luck, you know, absolutely. Uh, it brings was after them back. The exa- absolutely. Once absolutely. they got down yeah. by
1: more than ten, I was oh. like, "All right, never mind." So and I, and I mean,
5: I I think that you know, just based on the eye test, based on what happened two weeks ago, you go New England. I mean, I think Seattle, though. Does realize that they got lucky? They really got by by the skin of their teeth, and they have to play better. If they play like they did at home two weeks ago, this is going to be a blowout. But I do think they come out, they play better. I, I expect a good game. I, I really do.
2: Should be a great game here from all that's been going on, and uh, you know something that that just I just we didn't mention it before, and I need to mention it back on the special teams because it just came to me turning point in that Seattle game was the trick play right the fake field goal Mm -hmm. that went to rookie offensive tackle Gary Gilliam from punter John Ryan and then from there on things got crazy and Seattle pulled it out so I'm curious if if either of you guys or Matt thinks that you know we talked about the coaches a little bit trick up their sleeve maybe with with Bob Papa and and the crazy formations the Patriots might run but do you think this game is so tight that something crazy like that is going to decide it like a fake field goal or uh you know uh something insane that happens, something that you don't see every day or, or, you know, another onside kick maybe in the second quarter. Do you think something unusual is going to happen to decide this game that will give one team Super Bowl forty-nine? Well,
4: I I wouldn't put it past either Belichick or Carroll. I mean, they're both just incredible football minds. And, you know, if if they have something that they think will work, they will run it no matter how crazy it is. So, you know what, I'd say, yeah, it, it could definitely happen.
1: And I think so, too. And I think what's kind of interesting, just looking back at other Super Bowls, too, you know, we always think that the stars are going to come to shine. Like, it's going to be, you know, Tom Brady's show. Last year, it was supposed to be Peyton Manning's show. Look how that turned out. Mm -hmm. That turned out to be absolutely nothing. So, it usually... Whether it's a trick play or maybe it's a player that we're not talking about. Maybe it's someone that we haven't you know, spent a lot of time mentioning that's going to turn this game around. Maybe it's Julian Edelman for the Patriots throwing a touchdown pass, which we don't you know, see that often every day. Maybe it's someone like that that we haven't really spent a lot of time focusing on. Not one of the stars that's coming to shine, but someone who gets to that star level because of this game.
5: You know, I, I see what you guys are saying, but I think in a game of this magnitude, would you risk you know, your entire season you know, trying to run a trick play. And what happens, God forbid, you know, if you're either of these teams and it doesn't work, you know, then you basically, you know, throw the whole game plan out the window, you know, late in the game. I can understand, you know, obviously you, know, you try an outside kick, desperation. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if you're not getting through, you know, and you're, let, let's say you're New England's offense, right, and you're not Seattle's defense is shutting you down, shutting you down, I think you'd almost rather go down swinging, sticking with your game plan than trying to ruin it and completely take the momentum away from you. Because then I think that's a sign of desperation. I think these teams are too good to shy away from what got them here.
2: And, of course, it would depend on the situation right. of the game, yeah, I yeah. guess, based on how it's going. Of course, when you look at the Seattle uh, you know, choosing to go for the fake field goal, they'd obviously probably had that in their playbook the entire season. And they were down 16 nothing. And Pete Carroll, uh, since that game, has said that you know, you think about those decisions, you know, before the game, you have plays lined up for, you know, if you would call them tricks, but you can only really tell when the game situation happens what right. you're going to do, and you only have a split second, and right. he said, you know, look, I mean, we hadn't scored at that point, and frankly, it didn't look like we were going to score, and uh, well, it was almost like do or die, I guess, in the, way he's, the way he's phrased it when, uh, when he was asked about it.
4: Yeah, and, and you look at the Patriots' divisional round against the Ravens, Belichick pulling out the, the throwback pass to Edelman. Uh, who, who then threw it deep. I mean, that's another just huge game scenario and just pull, pulling a trick play out of your pocket that, that happened to totally change the momentum of the game. And, I mean, I think both these coaches know when the right time to use a trick play is, so I don't think we'll necessarily see a poorly run trick play. I think, I think if there is one, it'll be used in the right situation and we'll probably be successful.
1: All right, guys, so talking more about maybe the regular uh, game plans for these teams, people that we want to see them getting involved. In our notes here again, too, that our producer Patrick Burns provided us before the game, Pat, is a big... Patriots fans. So I was reading over the Patriots side of the notes in particular, so I wanted to see some key points that he mentioned in there. And I thought one of the interesting facts he put in there was how to approach Seattle's defense. He was talking about how New England was extremely pass happy against Baltimore and then did almost a 180 and decided to just pound it with LeGarrett Blunt against Indianapolis. And he seemed to really carry the team. I know he had three scores. And as Bob Papa mentioned earlier, you know, Rob Gronkowski, who's a key to their offense, wasn't really a factor until the second half. I'm curious to see how New England's going to try to approach Seattle's defense because I don't think either of the extremes is going to work against the number one defense in the league.
2: I mean, like you said, the number one defense in the in the league, number one against the pass, number three against the rush. It's tough. I mean, it's tough to approach a defense <laughs> that statistically sound like that. I mean, say what you will about statistics, but when you're the best and arguably, you know, the overall number of defense. Uh,
7: uh,
2: it's gonna be very difficult and, and we you know, I think this all just goes back to, to Belichick and you know, I, I hate to steer the conversation back to where we were, but there's gonna to have to be some new wrinkles in this offense. I, I don't think the rushing game is gonna work for New England. It just it's not natural almost for the Patriots to see them run the football, you know, with Tom Brady at the helm. I, I think Tom Brady'll find ways to, to you know, to, to exploit or not exploit, but to uh, find open receivers that, that he will find probably Two, three yards from the line of scrimmage. I, I don't think with this Seattle defense that there can be any huge pass plays. If there are, well, that opens up a whole lot of other things. That opens up the run game. It opens up play action. It opens up a ton of things. A, a lot is going to be decided. I think, as Christian said, you know earlier on, and as Bill Belichick said earlier today, that you know one thing I want in this game is the lead <laughs> early on. And a lot, I think, is of how the Patriots' offense is going to be able to approach Seattle's defense is going to probably be dependent on what happens on their first two drives and probably the length of the first quarter after that i think they're going to have you know their game plan modified to see how seattle's defense is playing because they have a lot of respect for them they're very very good and with the running game i just i just don't see it uh, with Legarrett blunt uh for the new england patriots so it's gonna have to be from the past game and tom brady's not a bad guy to have you have thrown the thrown the football
4: yeah i mean i i think that more than Tom Brady um, the Patriots offense in this game is going to revolve around the tight end big number 87 Rob Gronkowski I mean Gronk is the best player on the field when he's on the field um, on either side of the ball and the Seahawks have allowed a league high 11 touchdowns to uh, 11 touchdown passes uh, to tight ends this season um, although many of those came early on you know I think that whether Gronkowski catches touchdowns or whether he's in there and ties up two, three, two, three defensive backs and they go up elsewhere, I think that's going to be the key because he can open up so much in the pass game and so much in the running game just based on the threat that he is when he's on the field that I think that if Gronkowski can play to his potential, the Patriots won't have too much trouble uh, finding holes in the Seahawks' D.
5: Tim Wright. Tim Wright
4: Love it. is going is to be an
5: X factor in this game, and here's why. I think New England is going to come out in a lot of two tight end sets and try to establish that run game early. And again, on the goal line, you you can use those two tight end sets because everybody is going to be focused on Rob Gronkowski. And so it'll, Tim Wright will be a decoy. We've seen him. You know, I've, I had Gronkowski in fantasy this season, you know, and I would get frustrated every time Tim Wright scored a touchdown. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just I think Tim Wright, we were talking about it earlier, Kelly, how maybe there's this unsung hero of right, the game exactly. and, you know, players we don't talk about a lot. Everybody's focused on Rob Gronkowski. But the Patriots traded away Logan Mankins for Tim Wright. So I do think he will be uh, some, in, in, involved in some part of the game plan.
1: I agree, too. And I thought, actually, for a second, you were going to go with K.J. Wright as being the main <laughs> guy that we yeah. said, right? I was like, wait, that's not the Seattle defender. But I think that, yeah, Bob Hopper brought that up earlier, too. And I do agree that I think it is going to be someone that we haven't heard a lot of, kind of like when Jonas Gray burst onto the scene right. for New England. Everyone was like, who is this guy? Where did they find him? I do think that they're going we're going to see one of those players, whether it be for Seattle or for New England, someone that's not the Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, Tom Brady, and Rob mm-hmm. Gronkowski of the world, because... That's who the media and that's who everyone this week has spent their time outside of Deflategate and Roger Goodell focusing on. I think that those have been the key guys that everyone's been staring at. I mean, I remember Tom Brady came to media day and everyone was talking about how he looked disheveled. (laughs) His appearance wasn't that great. He doesn't care. That's like the first thing I heard about too about Tom Brady that day is everyone is nitpicking him and Lynch apart. And then it's like, who? there's other guys on this team that have just been flying under the radar and probably enjoy that role.
5: Absolutely. You know, even guys like Jamie Collins, who are on New England's defense, mm-hmm. who has been you know, lauded for his play. But you know, he's not a guy you think of. You think of Revis, Browner, Browner McCordy, exactly. Arrington. Those guys get the pub. But guys like Jamie Collins just go out there and do their job. I think he's another possible X factor.
4: Yeah, and I think I think that that's what is so great about Bill Belichick as a coach. He makes players better than what they are and I puts agree. them in yeah. positions to make plays. I mean, you you look at you look at Jonas Gray, rushed for three hundred and one <laughs> yards, I think it was against the Colts. And the next weekend, he the next weekend after they signed Blunt, he does. Oh yeah, sorry, two hundred one. I'm sorry about that. The next weekend when they signed Blunt, he doesn't even get a carry, mm-hmm. and Blunt just does the same thing and uh, I mean Christian you just said Tim Wright could be an x-factor I absolutely agree Drew looked at me and said Tim who I mean (laughs) Belichick just makes he he makes players make plays and I think that's what's so great about him and talking about Jamie Collins as an x-factor it's going to be so big whether or not he can get penetration into the backfield and get you know hit Marshawn Lynch before the line of scrimmage if he can do that I think it'll be a lot easier to bring Marshawn down. Obviously, he breaks tackles, but at least getting that contact on the line of scrimmage will make it easier to bring him down, you know, maybe four yards past the line of scrimmage rather than him picking up eight, you know. I think I think Jamie Collins is going to be big
2: in this game. And a lot, a lot of the, the Seahawks defensive team members, and, or excuse me, uh, the Patriots uh, defenders, and even players on their offense, Coach Belichick and... Uh, and also Tom Brady, they say Marshawn Lynch, he's the best running back in the games. And, you know, the only way we're going to bring him down is we better make sure we have multiple hands on him, gang tackle him to bring him down. Because if you go one-on-one tackling on Lynch, he's going to have a good game, number one. You're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. And uh, Devin McCourty just says w- we've, w- we just need to just... Dang, tackle the man and bring him down to the to the uh, to the turf, and uh, that's the only way we can, or one of the only way, one of the ways that you know we're going to be successful today or on Sunday is is to bring this guy down, and it's not that easy.
1: Well, you know, Drew, actually, interesting point off of that is I wonder how much. Gang tackling, we're going to see from the Seattle secondary because guys like Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, they're not playing with their full two arm strength. Richard Sherman, I don't know if he's going to be able to wrap someone up and throw him down by himself. Same for Earl Thomas. You know, I don't think we're going to see Richard Sherman diving back and throwing his arm back there. I don't think he has that flexibility in his arm right now. And I think that's going to be interesting to see is if they're one on one with someone in coverage and they outbeat them, can they bring them down or is it going to slide right through their one and a half arm
2: grip? I mean, it's it's, it's very interesting because you asked the question then at what point does your injury however severe it is of course they've practiced all week and, and they're they're listed as, as probable um, as far as i know Oh, they're both playing i know that oh like yeah they're, gonna they're both going to play they're just going to play we just yeah, don't know how long how the, the question yeah how long they're going to play in the game you know what if something happens early on in the game and they take one one block or one hit but the question is at what point and obviously i don't have the answer to this because i don't know how severe their injury is personally to them and to uh, so, so their shoulder doctors, and elbow well, we, we did interview a doctor earlier in the day. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned uh, tomorrow, one on one. We'll talk about that. A little plug there. Yeah, a little plug. Um, but the, the the finally getting to my question. The, the question has to be, at what point? At what point does do you harm your team by playing in the football game because you're injured? Is it when you're 80 percent healthy or 60 percent healthy or 10 percent healthy? If you're Richard Sherman or somebody else, like you, you just don't know. At, at what point? If you had you know, another player playing your position for the entire game, would he do a better job than you because he's 100% healthy? But he might not be as talented, and, you know, that's a lot of ifs in there, but it's, I think it's a valid question because if you have someone in the secondary, Kelly, like you said, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. one-on-one coverage, and say they hit a 15-yard slant route coming from, you know, the far sideline and then crossing to the middle of the field, if you don't get him right away, he might be gone to the end zone for six points, and that could decide the game in such a tight matchup with the Patriots and Seahawks.
1: Kelly Cultus, Christian O'Hara here at the Rose Hill Studios. We have Drew Casey and Matt Crow back out, not back out, out in Arizona <laughs> for this live edition of NFL Friday coming to you on WFUVsports.org. And, Drew, I kind of i agree a lot with what you just said there, kind of the fact that that could be a key because not that they're not going to give it 110% because Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman are two of the hardest Guys I guess that play you know the play the hardest and I think that they're definitely going to be key factors in this game
5: yeah I mean I, I agree with both you guys I think that it's, it's going to take a lot for them to come out of this game you know you saw in the NFC title game Richard Sherman playing basically with one arm and um, you know he was he was uh, holding that arm up you know by his side by his chest and he was telling the trainer no I'm good no I'm good I'm, I, I can play. Um, it's going to take them you know, to be seriously injured or in a tremendous amount of pain for them to come out of this game. I don't expect them to come out of this game. I really don't. But um, it, it's something to watch for. And I think Earl Thomas, with a separated shoulder, that injury is, is, is if you get hit in a separated shoulder, that can cause you a lot of pain. I mean, it, it's, it's something not to play with. And, you know, it, we'll see how it plays out on Sunday.
1: And absolutely, you know, moving away from the game a little bit off the field now we welcome in jill gonzalez from wallet hub and oh, maybe not just yet never <laughs> mind she seemed to drop the line that'll be it's okay we'll get her back on the line in just a few minutes wallet hub's done some really interesting things that uh drew casey shared the link with us that he had you know kind of going over to some of the stuff they had there um you know they did things on ticket prices we talked about with a guy from StubHub before with glenn from StubHub before Let's talk about how many people watch the Super Bowl. They have advertising revenue on this page. You know, some fun things. I know Drew mentioned the food, Super Bowl parties. 1.25 billion chicken wings will be consumed. Oh, my God. Just so you know, at Super Bowl parties. That sounds
5: like a lot of chicken wings.
2: I think the real question, though, is how many of the 1.25 billion will uh, Kelly (laughs) Coltis, Christian (laughs) O'Hara, Brendan Bowers... um, uh, oh, boy. Patrick Burns Anthony's, and Bob and well, Anthony Pusick is also here, too. And Anthony Pusick. What percentage of the 1.25 <laughs> billion chicken wings consumed during the Super Bowl at parties will be from you guys. What percentage? I want a hard percentage right now. Well,
1: I'm going to take myself mostly out of this. I'm working until 7 on Super Bowl Sunday, so I will be missing the first half of action of party time. So uh, I'll be at CBS Sports Radio being able to cut some tape and watch the Super Bowl there, but I will be working. So no chicken wings for me there. So, Christian,
5: I'm throwing Um, that into you. I mean, I don't even know what .01% of (laughs) 1 million chicken wings is billion. Oh, billion. 1.25 so, billion. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with 0.01% of that. You know, I'll, I gave you a hard percentage. I don't even know. That could be like 100 <laughs> wings. So yeah, I'll Christian, just go with I th- that. I
4: think, I think you're eating about 100,000. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, figuring, I'm figuring it out right now. Okay? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes.
5: Well, you know,
1: hopefully we'll get Jill back in a little bit and she can tell us some more on the numbers behind the game. But getting back to some things on the field before we move away. Oh, hold on, one
2: second, Kelly. Oh. It's oh, no. one, one point two five million chicken wings. Wait, 001 percent
5: of <laughs> yeah. a billion. Oh this my god. One point
2: two five million.
5: Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> meant, I meant the entire state of New York is gonna eat that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> you want to put a couple more zeros between yeah. the decimal ML1 oh, no. on that one. <laughs>
4: You got your work cut out for you. That yeah, I, I might have to start now after the
1: show. I think we'll give it... Yeah, I think between you, Bob, and Pat, and Anthony, yeah, and Yeah, we can Brendan, like, eat, like, 300,000. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Let's get back on track here.
1: Um, so, back, back to what we were talking about before we got into our little chicken wings discussion, and I think that... Uh, we were talking about some health concerns, and I think we might have some health concerns here too with uh, Christian and Bob and Pat if they were consuming uh, 300,000 chicken chicken wings. <laughs> 300, wings each. <laughs> but some health concerns for on the field, guys. I'm curious to think what, you know, we talked a lot about the injuries to the secondary of Seattle. You know, there's not that the injury concerns to New England really. I think that looking at the New England side of things, they seem to have escaped relatively healthy. Drew, Matt, tell me if I'm wrong on that one. I know you guys have been out there. You guys have heard more than I have.
4: Yeah, I mean, there was there was a, a not a rumor. It, it was true. Tom Brady had a cold for a little bit, but I mean, that's going to be ah, a yes, non-factor come holes. Sunday. Yeah, uh, that that that's going to be a total non-factor. Um, so I, I think the Patriots this year have have done a great job uh, staying healthy. Obviously, they lost. They're rock uh, they're in their defense in Gerard Mayo, but um, other other than that, uh, I think they're good.
2: And from the Seattle perspective this morning, Pete Carroll said, you know, we escaped as good as you can escape at this part of the season. This is going to be their 19th game of the season, um, and it, he's pretty pleased that they're as healthy as, um, you know, as they are at the moment despite what the true and actual status of, uh, of Sherman and Thomas are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, interesting thing, too. One of the questions, just going a little off topic here, but at the Goodell Presser today, someone mentioned, you know, extending the postgame. And, you know, he mentioned the fact that it would make the regular season almost a little worthless. And I agree with him because if you extend the postseason, you mentioned, Drew, this is their 19th game. These guys in their bodies can't take many more games on top of that. You know, yeah, it's, oh,
2: go ahead, Christian. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Drew.
5: I, I just, you know, real quick, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I mean, agree. this is just such a great product. You know, they, they the NFL markets it so well. I think the system is great, and I don't even I'm not even for expansion of the playoffs. I think this is great uh, the way it is, and you know, I, I just don't like the, the NFL toying with it.
2: Yeah, and you look at uh, really any sport. I mean, at at a certain point, the the regular season almost becomes meaningless if everyone mm-hmm. you know makes the, makes the playoffs. playoffs. Right. I'm a huge NHL guy, but. When you have more than half the league in the playoffs, and you play eighty-two games in the regular season, and hockey is you know probably the second spo- the second sport in terms of players getting injured and the severity based on you know the high flying and skating and all, but uh, you, you add playoff teams like I'm not even thrilled with the with Major League Baseball. I mean, they're just the complete opposite, sort of, because they play even more games and have less teams. So maybe you should reward more teams at that point. But in the NFL, where you only have sixteen games, y- you start adding you know playoff teams and things like that you're gonna have you know close to half the league in the playoffs i mean it's fun for the fans it would be great um you know great for business in the nfl and for the franchises and all but you, you got to think there's they're people the athletes nfl players are still people and you know their bodies take a big hit you add some games and you know you could have more lawsuits uh if you're the nfl down the road for if you if you decide to do that
1: absolutely and i don't think the nfl wants any lawsuits considering all the concussions the players who have come out of that you know just the injury factors. I know Goodell mentioned those numbers were down, too, so I think that's definitely a key thing to keep an eye on. But turning our attention back to, you know, Super Bowl 49, the game coming up on Sunday at 6.30, Kelly Colt is Christian O'Hara here. We have Drew and Matt out in Glendale, Arizona, and we're going to head back out to Arizona with Drew and Matt and another very special WFUV sports alum.
2: Joined uh, now by Michael Kay, a voice of the Yankees and a WFUV alum, host on uh, ESPN Radio in New York. Michael, to start, um, how's Phoenix been treating you just out here?
6: It's been pretty good. I mean, I, I love being on Radio Row. There's so many opportunities to get guests, and you know, now this is the first year we actually are simulcasted, so that's kind of neat as well, and you, know, you get to have some fun with the guys. So we've had some great guests on, and, and today's the final day and another good lineup, so uh, I've been pumped up. I thought the show has been pretty good. And are you happy that the conversation throughout the week has shifted from the whole sideshow stuff now to the actual football game? Are you happy that it's turned that way, sort of, how it's turned out? It took a long time, and, you know, the thing that bothers me, there's really no resolution. I mean, we don't know who deflated the balls. It sounds so ridiculous that we're talking about it, but it's a significant issue because somehow... 11 out of 12 balls were deflated, so something happened that wasn't really kosher. So uh, I, I wish that the NFL would have addressed it before the Super Bowl, but now let's say the Patriots win this game, and then we find out that they actually did do something illegal. It kind of cheapens it, so I think it still hovers around the game. Yeah, we can talk about the game, and you know we could break it down and what's the advantages and disadvantages, but you know when you're watching that game, you cannot tell me if you watch that game on Sunday that you're not going to be thinking a little bit about those footballs.
4: So getting to the game, um, obviously both of these teams have outstanding secondaries. The Patriots with, with Revis and Browner and, and the Seahawks with the Legion of Boom, you know, Sherman, Chancellor. Um, which secondary do you think will fare better against their opposing offense?
6: Well, yeah, it would probably be New England because I'm not that impressed with the receivers that the uh, the Seahawks have. And, you know, as I was doing some prep work this morning, which – pretty much means I was lying in my hotel room in my underwear and uh, I was I was thinking about advantages and disadvantages uh, I came up with a stat that really jumped out at me that the Seahawks have allowed 11 touchdowns to tight ends and that's something that the Patriots could really exploit with Rob Gronkowski so you know the corners are great but the Patriots don't really play a deep game so if you can exploit underneath with the tight end and they have the best tight end I think that's something that maybe the Patriots could utilize. Switching to the um, to the coaches now, regardless of, of what everyone's opinion is
2: about coaching in, in sports and all, but these two coaches, clearly two of the best in the game. Very different styles. Pete Carroll's a fun guy, has a lot of fun on the sideline, a lot of uh, personality for him. And Bill Belichick, more monotone, he's been here more. Um, do you think either one of them will be better prepared uh, than they have been in the past?
6: Well, they both have experience, so you, know, you really can't say the experience issue uh, overwhelms any one side. Uh, I think Belichick's a genius. Uh, I don't want to just make Pete Carroll out to be you know, a cheerleader because if you watch his teams, are very, very disciplined. So they probably practice very well. He knows what types of athletes he wants. They they practice hard. They attack the ball. All of that you could see the way they play the game. But Belichick is so innovative. I was just talking to uh, you know Danian Tomlinson. He said the thing with him is that he, he's the best adjustment coach in the NFL. He said you see him on the sideline, and he's actually teaching during the game as the game moves along. He said – you can't make that stuff up. So uh, I, I think if you look at the talent that Belichick has on the field, the fact that they're in the Super Bowl shows you what an unbelievable coach he is. So I would give the the slight edge to Belichick, but I don't think I don't think that coaching is going to be the the final uh, you know the final thing that that pushes the uh, the needle one way or the other.
4: Absolutely, and um, obviously Brady and Belichick they've been together since 2000, since 2001, six Super Bowl appearances, three wins so far. If they win this fourth Super Bowl, do you think that Brady will be considered the best quarterback of all time and Belichick should be considered the best coach of all time?
6: Well, I think Brady's in the conversation now, and I think it's, uh, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, It's hard to ignore what he does. Six Super Bowls is pretty outstanding, so four would be tying the most that anyone's ever won. I think he'd be in the conversation. You know, I'm not sure you'd say he's the best, but, you know, you'd have an argument if you did. As for Belichick, uh, you know, Spygate aside and the inflated footballs aside, I'm so impressed with him, and I think he's so bright that I think he might actually be the best coach or slash manager in major sports history. I mean, the things that he's done with, over the extended period of time that he's done it in a league with a hard cap, that's pretty unbelievable to consistently be good. And when you look at their first Super Bowl and now their sixth, the only two people that remain the same are Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Now, you could say Brady's a big part of his success, and I'm sure he is. But he also won 11-5 and five with Matt Castle the year that you know, uh, Tom Brady was hurt. So uh, he's an amazing coach. He, he's Again, I think he's probably the best coach in any sport ever. Michael, last question. Super Bowl obviously was in New York last year. A lot of hype around Super
2: Bowl Boulevard and Times Square, hosting all the events in New York City before the game being played over uh, in Jersey. How do you think this, the Super Bowl experience here in Phoenix compares to last
6: year in New York? You know, New York is so... Yeah, I, I once had a conversation with a baseball player. I said that there's so many people in New York and so many different things that you can do that you could you could be a baseball player and walk into Lincoln Center and they'd have no idea who you are. You could be Derek Jeter. Well, Derek Jeter might be a bad example, but <laughs> you could be Mark Teixeira and they'd have no idea who you are because that's just not what they care about. So I thought that New York swallowed up the Super Bowl. I think that every other Super Bowl that I've been to, the Super Bowl swallows up the city in which hosts it. It was just another thing to do in New York, and I know so many people were worried about the weather, which was a complete non-factor. So, you know, in Phoenix, the Super Bowl is is the deal. In New York, it was, okay, should I go to a play? Should I, you know, should I get immersed in the Super Bowl stuff? I I never understood why New York needed it. Uh, Obviously, it had some economic impact, but these cities like New Orleans and Phoenix and next year Santa Clara, it's important for those cities. I don't think it was that important for New York. Michael, thanks so much. Enjoy the game on Sunday. You got it, guys. Thanks a lot.
1: And that was our very and that was our very own Drew Casey and Matt Crow with Michael K, WFUV Sports alum. You know, calls the Yankee games on Yes, has his own show on ESPN Radio. And guys, you know, he brought up some interesting things. And I think that the key point that I almost forget sometimes is that the only two people remaining from New England's last Super Bowl runs are. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, because I just consistently know New England's in the playoffs. New England's going to get a shot to maybe get to the AFC title game to get to the Super Bowl. It's really ironic that those are the last two left.
2: It just speaks to how good both of those people are. Uh, Tom Bra- at football, Tom Brady being a quarterback, and, and Bill Belichick being a coach. And then I think it ties in nicely with with the conversation that that's a big uh, that would be a big po- proponent point for saying that if they win this Super Bowl, they're the best of all time at their respective positions because, like you said, Kelly, they're the only two people associated with the team except for ownership and things like that. But in terms of coaching and, you know, players, they're the only two players or only two representatives of the Patriots that are the same from their Super Bowl wins.
4: Yeah, I mean, growing up just outside Boston, I was seven years old when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. Now at, at 20, I mean... I've witnessed probably the most unbelievable 13 years of a sports franchise run in in sports history, and I mean, me, me and my buddies from home have talked about it, and I mean, it's it's incredible how the combination of getting Belichick and Brady together, what it has done for the New England Patriots franchise. It's it's been a run totally unprecedented run that we probably will never see again to have the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback in 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 football on this on the same team at the same time but um i mean obviously that they, they play off each other and they would um they would say a lot of their success is due to each other but it, it, it's just been incredible
1: absolutely has been and we'll be joined in a few minutes by lee steinberg one of the famous you know agents right now ben roethlisberger probably his biggest well-known client but has so many tremendous ones in the past including i know troy aikman's the first one that comes to mind so we'll be joined by him in a few minutes on this special live edition of nfl friday kelly coltis and christian o'hara back here in studio and i think that it really is like you're mentioning matt it just really is a testament to how good they are and i think that it's a good point to mention too that it's just how good belichick system has made his players you know Pete carroll's been with the seahawks for just a few years and he's really turned around Mm -hmm. that organization too to make them you know perennial contenders and now back-to-back years being the number one seed coming out you know of seattle obviously coming out of the nfc and i think that he's not the next bill belichick because no one will ever be in my mind as great a coach as bill belichick but i think he's kind of taking his team in that direction getting guys that we haven't heard of to play up to a better potential better potential and make them better players
5: you know and it's 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 just amazing in this era of, of parity and, and, you know, everybody has a shot and their salary cap stuff. And, and, and you know, it, when you win the Super Bowl, it's almost like the NFL, you know, designed you to get weaker as a team or, you know, because they give you that last first-round draft pick. They, they you know, the salary cap prevents you from keeping all your guys mm-hmm. and, and s- signing all of them to massive contracts. So, you know, just it's just natural that guys come and go. And it's just year after year, Bill Belichick with whoever he's, has on his roster gets the most out of them and you know what they're o- they're always in the playoffs they win the AFC East every year and it's just it's just a testament to his philosophy and his approach that if everybody does their job we're going to be okay if everybody is doing their job and on the same page and is doing what they're coached to do we're going to be successful and win football games it's just unbelievable I I don't know if we'll ever see another run like it it's it's just it's crazy it, it really is the unprecedented success.
2: It really is just just incredible that, that the Patriots, you, know, you just it, look at the last time team won back-to-back uh, Super Bowl championships. It's the New England Patriots in 2003 and, and 2004. And, you know, every year it's just AFC championship after AFC championship. And mm. you know, there's no other way to, to describe it than yeah. just straight-up incredible, straight-up incredible that a, a team that has changed so much, except for the head coach and the quarterback. It's so so successful.
5: You know, and and once st- one stat that I just want to bring up that honestly it blew my mind to be honest, you know, and and as as great a quarterback as he is and I think he is one of the best ever. He's in the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Tom Brady has played in 9 AFC Championship games. I think Peyton Manning has 9-1 and done playoff games in his career. Mm-hmm. So, you just look at that and it's just like how can this guy Peyton Manning who's so good
1: in the regular season in the
5: regular season just, you know, I mean, he He's a different quarterback in the postseason, but, you know, just to, to compare those two players like that and, and realize Brady has had so much more success in terms of winning in, in the postseason, his career, it's just mind-boggling.
4: Yeah, it is, and, I mean, here, here on, uh, on Radio Row with Drew Casey, I'm Matt Crow, and we've seen all types of, uh, all types of athletes walking by. We just got Jimmy Graham uh, uh, passing right by our, our table. Seen uh, Drew Brees earlier today throwing throwing Jimmy some touchdowns maybe next season. Yeah,
2: talk about a contrast too. Jimmy Graham is a huge human being, and uh, Drew Brees not not as much. I believe I you know am a little bit taller than him, but to bring this back to the game, yes, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. You talk about Tom Brady and his success, and a lot of the success that he's had is is because he's able to create you know create wide receivers and tight ends. You, you, you get these no name guys and they become huge guys. Rob Gronkowski's a very talented guy. Jimmy Graham's a very talented guy. But if you don't have Drew Brees and and Tom Brady respectively throwing them the football, I'm curious what kind of of tight ends did did they become. And, you know, does Rob Gronkowski, you know, do what he's done over the last few years without Tom Brady throwing him the football? It's, It's obviously impossible to have an answer to that. But Tom Brady's ability to make receivers you know, anyone who's, who has hands, you know, into a, into a NFL receiver. I mean, at sometimes it's just incredible. Look, look at, look at Julian Edelman. He's
4: five, five ten. That's, that's my height. I mean, Tom Brady's made him one of the, one of the best slot players in the league. Look at Welker. I think that, I think Brady um, helped him with a, with a lot of that success. I mean, they, they've, the Patriots have totally created another position in football with, with the, you know, short, real-fast slot-wide receiver.
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, Wes Walker obviously was the first one that really revolutionized that position, I guess, at New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. But they have just taken it, and they've been plugging guys into it. I mean, Danny Amendola was someone who was supposed to take over that role. And as Matt just mentioned, it's been Julian Edelman. It's been someone who's been stepping up in that position to fill it. It's not, you know— It doesn't have to have that position, but the New England offense seems to just create it and make it run so efficiently. I mean,
5: you saw last season guys like, you know, Kembrell Tompkins and Aaron Dobson. Exactly. They made the AFC Championship game with those guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, again, I mean, I, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but... You know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to. I think that, honestly, that might have been Bill Belichick's best coaching job. I you know, agree. To take that group of guys, and, and they had injuries across the board on defense last year, guys like Will going down. It's just a plethora of injuries. To take that group to the AFC title game and only lose by 10. I yeah, mean, so it wasn't like that blown up. Exactly. Out. And, and, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's a testament to how, how good that guy is. And, you know, he's been around winning football, mm-hmm. it seems like, for his whole coaching career, you know, minus the Stanton Cleveland. But, you know, ever since he's you know, been with the Giants as defensive coordinator, two championships there, and, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator in, in New England. They lost to Green Bay, and then this just, just historic run as a head coach. You know, you can say what you want about him, but you can't deny the man is, is a successful and one of the most successful coaches of all time.
1: Absolutely. And I think that it's just really interesting, too, that, you know, New England does have, I would say, better talent now. Right. And one of the things, that too, you know, you mentioned Peyton Manning before there, comparing the, you know, how he has so many one and dones And a lot of questions were brought up too about you know his health at the end of this last season. You know, even in the off season already, this quote unquote off season, the NFL off season hasn't started yet, but Denver's off season has started. You know, was he going to return because you know, Coach Fox left, and then he had the thigh injury and it just seems like Tom Brady has not been slowing down the way Peyton no. Manning has i mean obviously Manning's had much more He's health older. He's injuries a couple, years older. couple years older but you know still they're around the same age in that time in their career a similar you know similar lives in their career and just the fact that Tom Brady has just been just going, you know, he has shown no signs of aging. Even, you know, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago on NFL Friday, you know, the Kansas City game where everyone asked Belichick, like, Oh, you sure your quarterback situation's okay? And he almost laughed at them, mm-hmm. and I would have too because, yeah. you know, Tom Brady ever since that Kansas City game has really turned it on, and I think it just shows you know, he's nowhere near slowing down. He's in his late 30s. He's got plenty of years left in my mind. Kelly,
5: I could see him playing for four or five more years. Agreed. I agree. Really I think could. about five. I mean, when I thought of it, I thought of five. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy just goes out there and puts up the numbers year after year after year. And even Peyton, we saw when he he got hurt. Uh, granted, it's it's a big injury. You know, if His he, neck injury. He, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he had to take that year off. And then, you know, coming back last year and setting, setting having that record-setting year, and it's like, oh, Peyton can do this for another four or five years. And then this year he has you know i guess the tear in his quad or you know a thigh injury as as it was reported, and then you saw like him him losing velocity on those footballs and and you start to question like all right, these guys really are not immortal. Like, you know, it, it brings me back to Derek Jeter. You know, you thought Derek Jeter was gonna play forever and then he got the ankle injury and things just went downhill and, exactly. And, and we we grew up with these guys and at oh, some absolutely. point it, it has it's to end. it's gonna be sad when it's Manning and Tom Brady retired. I mean it's gonna be
1: weird. As yeah. a Jets fan, I mean it's not sad. I'll be kinda happy when <laughs> you're Tom gonna, Brady you're retires. Rejoice, so you're throw but it will a party. be sad for football and the right. fact that I've been watching him since I was like, you know, eight years old absolutely. basically. It's
5: just it's incredible careers.
1: All right, now we're going to take it back out to Arizona where Drew Casey and Matt Crow are joined by a very special guest.
2: Yes, Kelly, thank you very much. Lee Steinberg on the set here uh, on Radio Row. Lee, quite the career as a sports agent now, uh, working on Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. Thanks so much for joining us here today.
7: It's my pleasure. I always love
2: NPR. <laughs> as WFUB, of course, NPR-affiliated. And, Lee... I, I've heard that you have an interesting take on this whole deflate date situation and uh, New England uh, possibly, you know, should they be allowed to be playing this game?
7: I think the first point is that it is an indication that the NFL has been slow to react to this and the whole series of different incidents here. This, this should have been taken care of last Friday before Sunday saw the arrival In Phoenix, a 3,500 press who are not your father's press. They're a different breed, younger, more aggressive, and they actually match statements up to prior statements. (laughs) Um, What makes the NFL or any professional sport different than wrestling or an exhibition is the concept that the games are played on a level playing field with equal equipment, with equal rules, and it's coaching technique and performance on the field that makes a difference. So any inference that somehow that isn't the same strikes people as as wrong and upsets them, this issue hit the third rail of public opinion in the same way that Ray Rice did and Adrian Peterson did and set off this massive counter-reaction that transcended the narrow genre of hardcore sports fans and involved people sitting in beauty parlors people sitting around the offices and really upset a large amount of people so what do you think the patriots or the
4: nfl should have done differently
7: whatever the facts were they needed to discover them very quickly and whatever they deduced or concluded from that, whether or not it was some form of uh, sabotaging the rules, they needed to just act and resolve it and end it and understand that they needed a rationale to do that and they needed to be public and open about how they were resolving it. Mm -hmm.
2: And, Lee, as an agent, say you were representing someone you know in this deflate date situation maybe bill belichick or or somebody else involved in the situation how much of a challenge would that be for for from your perspective to to say represent tom brady or somebody like that
7: tom brady has previously had a pristine reputation and he was able to get through a press conference by the fact he's handsome (laughs) he's all shucks huck finn um but really there was not much substance to it and so the point is is that maybe that plays for a Boston audience but it obviously didn't make a huge impact on the rest of the country when you have a crisis control situation the first key is to get your arms around all the facts to understand exactly what was involved so that nothing you say is going to contradict something that will come out later and then if there's wrongdoing there a simple apology An understanding that whatever the conduct was, was not correct. And then ultimately some action that will prevent a recurrence. So that's fundamentally what you would want to do. Um, Again, I said it wasn't yesterday's press. These are not journalists who travel on team planes, who get television sets and other things from teams the way they did in the 50s and 60s. This is a more Woodward-Bernstein type of press. So, And there are more ways to get information. So this the NFL is used to having message control in terms of what goes out. And in the case of Ray Rice, in the case of Adrian Peterson, and in the case of the flight gate, they're not controlling the message.
4: Well, Lee, uh, I mean... Your, your agent resume is absolutely incredible. Only, only man to represent eight first uh, overall picks. Um, what, what, is, what is that like, you know, being in there on draft day and having your guy go number one?
7: Well, it did happen eight separate years. I've had 60 first-run draft picks, half the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Nothing is more exciting other than going to the Hall of Fame then draft day. It's the culmination of the dreams and hopes of a young man and his family that started back in Pop Horner. And so my job is to make sure I have correct information so we're not sitting under the harsh lights of New York with a player who may somehow plummet. But normally, in the first situation, First of all, it's exciting because you know that you'll make precedent by whatever contract you do. But it is raw exultation. It is such a joyful moment for a family. And it's like regeneration, resurgence, rebirth. Um, I love it.
2: (laughs) Very impressive indeed. Um, If you had the choice, we have two quarterbacks in this Super Bowl here,
7: Russell Wilson
2: tom brady do you think you'd want to represent one over the other or or both or or something like that
7: tom brady's become an institution if he goes ahead and wins he's doing something unprecedented he's handsome and he has a model for a wife the highest paid model in the world for for a wife he's doing okay sometimes when you combine couples like that like brangelina or um Two couple, a uh, couple together at uh, Beyonce and Jay Z. One plus one is more than two, and so nothing creates more drama than a quarterback who's MVP of the Super Bowl. When I had Troy Aikman, he walked onto the field and he was Troy Aikman, a very good quarterback in 1993. He was MVP, won the game, and he walked off, and he was Troy Aikman. National figure, and he is still doing endorsements 20 years later. That's what this game does. Steve Young won in 1994. Still doing endorsements 20 years later. So they both have wonderful stories. With, this is a third-round draft pick and a sixth-round draft pick, who are but one young player who in three years has the potential to win two Super Bowls. Now, I'm not... That is so aberrational. It's so against odds. It's so against the norm. And he's got a gripping story. Every man can identify with Russell Wilson. He's not six foot five. He uh, didn't come out of the top of the draft. He had to change schools. So he's a wonderful story. Tom Brady is an institution. He'd probably take the younger quarterback <laughs> because he's got <laughs> years to play. Um, but... This is the Super Bowl of marketing as well as the Super Bowl on the field. And, and, again, it transcends a narrow genre of hardcore sports fans. And because of viral media and because of where we are, the player who performs dramatically here can become a household name. Now, ironically, Richard Sherman twerked his way into national consciousness and branding last year by talking incessantly. And now you have a quarterback who's gone, Greta Garbo, mum, who's also carving out a niche for the rebel, the (laughs) anti-establishment. And by not saying anything, he's uh, creating marketability for himself also. Well,
4: like like you said, Lee, Russell Wilson obviously a third-round draft pick. Tom Brady, 199th overall in the sixth round. How do players like that slide so much in the draft? And, you know, as an agent, do do you kind of look for those hidden gems that might go later in the draft but have the
7: talent and have the potential to be great? So let's take the quarterback position. Fifteen of the 32 teams in the NFL only carry two quarterbacks. Because of that, that makes it more difficult for the next Tom Brady to even make the team. Because if you have two quarterbacks, the starter, and then usually a veteran backup. Um, there is no such thing as a backup quarterback. So think about it. The backup quarterback is like Prince uh, Charles. He's uh, walking around cracking champagne bottles, uh, christening boats, you know, attending exhibitions. Uh, that's his life, and bam, he's... The queen dies; he's the king of England, and it happens that fast for the second quarterback. So we generally would take quarterbacks, and there were weekends I had half of them. We take quarterbacks as long as we thought they could play in the NFL, whatever the round was. Because here's what happens: a Brett Favre gets drafted in the second round, doesn't play at all the first year, but he gets traded. Mark Brunell traded from Green Bay becomes a starter. So. You, they have a route. They can either be Tom Brady and replace the incumbent, or if they show the requisite skill set and talent, they can be traded to a team where they can start.
2: The final question, tomorrow at your Super Bowl party, you're introducing the Steinberg D. Nicola Awards for Humanitarian Service. One of those awards is going to New York Jets owner Woody Johnson, the owner's award, specific interest to us being from New York. What um? What led to creating these awards, and what are these awards really about?
7: For 40 years, I've tried to work in sports in a way that said athletes can be role models. They can retrace their roots to the high school collegiate professional community. Our athletes have set up innumerable high school scholarship funds, college scholarship funds, and at the pro level, programs like War Guns, where he has put 40 single mothers and their families into the first home they'll ever own by making the down payment and have Home Depot outfitted. So athletes as role models. It's been a difficult year in the NFL, which has been characterized by athletic aberrational behavior and misbehavior off the field. So it's important to remember at this point that dog bites man is not a story. So the charitable work that athletes do is not a story. Man bites dog, someone got arrested, that's a a story. So we're giving a humanitarian award for philanthropic work to Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, for his yeoman uh, work in public health. And uh, we'll probably have some people from Arizona who were uh, involved, young patients, there at the the ceremony. And then General Manager Dennis Hickey of the Miami Dolphins for his work with Junior Special Olympics. And Jeff Fisher of the St. Louis Rams for his work with the Wounded Warrior Project.
2: Lee, very nice story. Thank you very much for coming on and joining with us. Uh, much appreciated, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much, Lee. Guys, we'll send it back now to New York where we can continue the conversation.
1: Thank you, Drew. Drew Casey-Macro there with Lee Steinberg. Really interesting. Hit on a whole bunch of different ranges. name brought in some, at the end there, Woody Johnson and the Jets right. getting his humanitarian award, You know, kind of talking about who he'd represent, athletes making a name for themselves. And, you know, that's kind of what I think we're going to transition into here. We've got about a little less than a half hour left. I think we'll be here live for this NFL Friday edition, Super Bowl Forty Nine. Kelly Colt Christian O'Hara, Drew Casey, and Matt Crow out in Arizona. Christian and I are here in New York, kind of a cross-coast thing. We've got yeah, everyone yeah. going on here. They're in a different time zone, two hours behind us, but they've been tremendous to work with, too, so far. We have a great crew here back at the Rose Hill Studios, uh, myself, Christian, Pat Burns, uh taylor Grabelia, anthony Pusick, and brendan bowers had a leave, but they were all behind the glass and of course the executive sports producer bob aarons a lot of hands on deck here to make this broadcast happen we have another one coming up tomorrow but before we get to all of that we have a couple more i guess fun things to do here on this nfl friday edition christian i know we were talking just now um while the interview was just going on about who we think might be the nfl mvp but we want to know Who's going to be the Super Bowl MVP? I mean, there's these things called prop bets. So for those of you who don't know, they're football proposition bets. And Bovada Sportsbook is the one that the website we're using to get them off of just to kind of look at to see, you know, what are they? And it's very interesting because you can make these on anything. I think anything. that's the thing. It, it, you know what I mean? We have, like, the new normal ones where it's like, who do you think is going to be the MVP? Like, who has the <laughs> highest odds to do that? And, you know, who's going to score the first touchdown? You can, you know... See what, uh, how many passing yards Tom Brady's going to have, that kind of thing. But then you get into some of the more fun ones at the bottom. I think we'll mix them up. We'll get you and Drew and Matt involved in just a second. But, like, one of my favorites when I was scrolling through it was, will Bill Belichick smile during the <laughs> game on camera? <laughs> I was like, ah, that's an interesting one, you know? No right now is the favorite.
5: I am going with no. He's not like a <laughs> smile. I mean, on camera during the game? Yes, during the game. Will well, Bill Belichick right, smile on camera minute. during the game? Wait a minute. Then, you know— If the Patriots are winning, Mm -hmm. and at the end you know they have a fourth quarter lead by let's say you know seven or ten, and the game is in hand, then who knows? He might smile. He might crack a smile or two. But if this is a a narrow, tight, close game, um, I don't. I don't think he'll 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 smile during the game. No, Uh,
1: that's very entertaining. You can also you know pick the color of his hoodie and the type of his hoodie because you know there's both. So you have colors we can get gray blue or red and then we have sleeves yeah. cut or sleeves intact
5: I he's not going with the red because that ruined the perfect season <laughs> um so i think he's going to go with the blue pat my uh, producer Betsy, uh you know, even money quote yeah, unquote right pat, now pat burns is saying the sleeves cut i don't think he's going with the sleeves cut i think he's going to go with with sleeves but a blue sweatshirt
1: sleeves cut is the favorite though right now just it so is you know. but I'm, I'm going i'm pat.
5: going against
2: sleeves cut
1: that's very interesting. I'd like to get Drew and Matt's take, if we can bring them back up from Arizona, get their take on this. Guys, Drew? I, ha-
2: I have I have a – I'd like to go back to the smiling one. Yes, ah, I would yes. as well. Oh, because okay. this morning, Be- Bill Belichick laughed at 10.48 <laughs> a.m. And the only reason I know that is because I tweeted it. Yeah, you've got to record that. Yeah, well, so I don't know if he's going to do it during the game, um, but – he did smile today after that that short laugh at his uh, joint press conference with Pete Carroll.
4: You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put my life on Tom Brady smiling with about 20 seconds left to play up Ooh. by
7: up your life.
2: You're putting me in a terrible position <laughs> here at the end of the game. <laughs> oh my god!
4: Uh, up I'm by up seven. Up by seven as Brady takes a knee. I, I, I think he'll definitely crack a crack a smile there. So you're picking uh, Seattle, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Essentially,
5: that's what he said. Yeah. Basically, we'll
1: get into all our predictions first, though, too. But a couple more of these, we'll go back to some more of the uh, regular ones for a second. Who do you guys think is going to be the uh, Super Bowl forty-nine MVP?
7: Um, oh boy!
1: Because the uh, right now, the heavy favorite is Tom Brady at nine to five. Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch and Gronkowski are the next that follow in suit.
5: Okay. How about this guy? How about we go with a favorite and then a wild card? <laughs> you okay. know.
1: Okay, yeah, like, I like that. So, so
5: I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go with my favorite to be Tom Brady. Okay, uh, I'm gonna take the the obvious choice there. Um, my wild card, um, Tim Wright. Tim Wright's gonna score two touchdowns. Ah, uh,
1: alrighty. So you're sticking with this boy, yeah, Tim Wright. You're yeah, riding a rhinodire yeah. yeah. today. I All right.
2: Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, favorite. can I do two wild cards? Or is that not
5: allowed? Yeah, do whatever sure, you want.
1: Do whatever you want. I'm I'm, I'm
2: gonna go with two, and uh, I'm gonna go defense and offense. Okay. Defensive side, Cam Chancellor. Ooh, that's that's I like that. solid. Yeah, I like that's that. Solid that's one. solid. Pick six in the second half, which Ooh. leads them wow. to victory. Wow. Okay. And then this one is just like this is the more of the wild oh, card here. <laughs> uh-huh. Luke Wilson game-winning touchdown from 30 yards okay, out. Okay. Final right. two minutes. I can see that. I can for see the that. Seattle Seahawks as well. So I'm going Chancellor and Wilson as my uh, I wild that. cards. But the legitimate favorite is Tom Brady for me, also, but right. obviously for obvious reasons.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go Brady as the favorite for sure, but um, not far behind him with my wild card, I'm going to go Garrett Blunt. Oh, I think that okay. I think he's going to have a great game running the football and I think you know wh- when they get close to the end zone, they, they do like to throw to Gronkowski, but they also really like to run the ball. So, look for Blunt with maybe maybe two touchdowns and uh, if he if he runs for, you know, 120-130, I think he could definitely be in the MVP discussion.
1: I think, Solid. for my mind, the most fun MVP, just because of what would happen, would be Marshawn oh, Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> just because oh, the entertainment oh, factor oh, boy. would be tremendous yeah. for me if that happened. Oh, and then goodness. I think that maybe a wild card, maybe a kind of a wild card, I guess, would be Darrell Revis. Just because I yeah. think that's someone that I think. I'd be just It would be good for me. I'm a fan of his. I've been a fan for his for a couple of years now. I think that it'd be really cool to see him win the Super Bowl I, MVP. I think,
5: I think Boomer Siasen picked Darrell Revis as a Super Bowl MVP. So, you Good Yeah, but bit, we're thinking yeah, along the same yeah, lines here exactly, like yeah. this. So, uh, you know, not not totally crazy. I could see it. Darrell Rivas with a pick six, you know, a couple picks in the game. You know, it could happen.
1: All right, guys, next question. Who will
2: score the
5: hey, Kelly, first Kelly, touchdown you to in the
1: game? What would you say there, Drew?
2: <laughs> you have to answer? Oh, you didn't
5: answer. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Come on, Drew. You going not <laughs> oh, listen boy. to what I'm saying now. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Ouch, this hurts. This hurts. It's, it's, this it's hurts. the time change. It's the time change. Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh, you're a couple hours yeah, delayed there. in are processing the information. Carry on.
1: <laughs> um, so Marshawn Lynch and Dewey was for my choices. So for you guys, who's the first player to score the first touchdown in the game?
5: Mm. Mm. Um I'm going with Brandon LaFell.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah.
5: Okay. Going wild. Brandon LaFelle.
1: All right.
2: Legarrett Blunt.
1: Okay.
4: Uh I mean I'm there I'm there with you guys both that the Patriots will score the first touchdown in the game but I'm going to have to give it to my man, Rob Gronkowski.
1: <laughs> I'm going to go with – I'm going to stick with the Patriots, too. I think they're going to score first. I'm going to go with Julian Edelman on this one, too, just to be okay. different okay. for yeah. that one because I think that we can't all have the same ones. Um, Let's see what else we've got here. We can do – getting to some more of the fun ones, and we to go back to one or two more before we do our picks here. So we got to Bill Belichick and Brady, and we did the hood types there. So, Christian, you know, not – really re- related to the game but kind of yeah the question is how long will it take adina menzel to oh, sing the geez. national anthem over 2 minutes or under 2 minutes
4: um do we know what it was last year yeah
1: it's I, like I, 204 was it i feel like you know it was what? 2 and change i feel like it was like 2 and change i'll go okay. under
5: i'll go
2: under
1: she's i'm going to say she's getting in at
5: 158
1: all right guys
2: Oh, I'm trying to pull up the, the, the average statistic <laughs> yeah, right. over the last 48 right, Super sure, well, Bowls. Come on, go, on, man. We're, We're putting not you on find the spot. It. We're not going <laughs> to find it. Uh, average late to the Super Bowl national anthem, Adina Menzel. She's got a beautiful voice, and I, I she hope really she does. I, I hope it goes for longer than two minutes. I'm going over. She, yeah, she's going to belt it for sure. Uh, th- this one's definitely going over.
1: All right. Um, now, what color will the Gatorade or whatever the liquid is? I don't know why they said or liquid. Usually mm. it's Gatorade. Um, what color will the Gatorade be that is dumped on the head coach of the winning Super Bowl team? Just so you know, the choices are orange, yellow, uh, water, uh, blue, red, or green.
5: Okay, so if it is Seattle, I'm going green. Okay. If it's New England, I'm going red.
1: Interesting. Hmm. Uh, the favorite right now, to Silver everyone knows, is orange at 3-2, to two, which is very interesting oh. to me. But uh, yeah, hmm. you guys out
2: there? Well, my choice was going to be purple, but that's not a choice. Sorry, <laughs> um, so I'm going go to go with green. Hey. I'm going to go with green. I'm going to go with something no one's going for yet.
4: blue. One, okay. because it's my favorite color, <laughs> and two, <laughs> two, two, because it's my favorite Gatorade flavor. So. Okay. All right. I, agree on, you on, yeah. I agree
1: with you on that. That's my favorite, too. Our producer, Patrick's choice, is clear. He's an ice, ice bath. One, yeah. They're getting an ice bath here. Uh, ice bath. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> All righties, guys, and now the final one. We'll turn our attention to the halftime show. Ooh. What will Katy Perry be wearing? Oh. So the choices are Oof. pants, which is anything that goes below oh, her choice. knees; shorts, uh, you know, obviously above the knees, or a skirt slash dress.
2: Oh, be- wait, be- be-
5: wait! I wasn't paying attention. Oh. Oh. I was trying oh. to get oh. that oh. Oh. in
3: my head.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah, Let me repeat the <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the way it's phrased here, I get what they're saying here so the the options are skirt slash dress that's one option, so she can either have a skirt or a dress on. she can have take on
2: notes
5: here short <laughs>
1: pants or long pants.
5: All right, well, she's not wearing long pants that's for All sure exactly, okay. I'm gonna go with one. a skirt slash dress I mean I don't know, we'll see she's probably gonna come out in nothing, but you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Before we answer over here, uh did did anyone see her sweater yesterday? Oh yeah, yeah it was like the football one, right? Yeah. Fo- yeah. It was very cool. I thought I thought that was uh that that won the day, that that outfit. <laughs> Drew,
2: go for it though. Alright, uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh with skirt slash dress yeah, as
4: well. Yeah. I <laughs> think a, that's a favorite right now. I'm gonna agree, I'm gonna agree. There's no chance she's coming out in like jeans. No, so. no, no way. No, 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 not at all. Oh goodness. Alrighty, guys.
1: So now, before we let you go here and get back to things in Arizona, it's time for everyone's favorite segment of NFL Friday. It's time for our picks. (laughs) All right. There's only one game to pick. We've made it. Nineteenth, the nineteenth game played for both these teams time for our pick selection. We're going to get everyone involved here on NFL Friday. We'll start, though, with the guys out in Arizona. So, Drew, take it away.
2: Well, I'm going to go with... You know, let me tw- let me tease it a little bit. Oh, boy. So, after they played in a really awful game against the Green Bay Packers, now you know who it is. It's the Seattle Seahawks. They get it done. They're in great shape to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Like we said before, Russell Wilson arguably coming off his worst game in not only his professional career, but in his entire career of playing football, probably since birth. throw He threw four interceptions in the NFC Championship game. Jermaine curse was cursed. This he reversed the curse. Up, man. Yeah. He reversed the curse. Won the NFC Championship by catching it. Marshawn Lynch, beast mode, enough said. Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, they're healthy enough to help the Seahawks succeed. Tom Brady, you've done it three times. Sorry, not a fourth. Seattle, 23. New England, 17.
4: All right, Drew, Matt, up to you. I mean, I think everyone knows where I'm going here. I'm since, not sure.
1: Can you tell us, please? <laughs>
4: since since 2001, I've seen my team appear in six Super Bowls. The last Lucky two man. have not. The last two have not been what I had hoped. And I know that coming here is going to turn it around for the Pats. I know my man Brady's going to be on. Belichick's going to be calling the right plays. The defense is going to step up. Revis is going to have a pick for sure, and the Patriots will win Super Bowl Forty Nine.
1: All right, so we got our guys' takes in Arizona. Let's go in the back here at the Rosehill Studios. Our producer, Patrick Burns.
2: Uh, This won't surprise anybody, but I'm going to go with New England. I I, I do have a couple different legitimate reasons for this, I promise. Uh, First of all, this whole deflated balls thing, I think it's just going to make New England come out with their hair on fire. I think they're going to be angry. I think they're going to be hungry. I really think that Belichick and Brady especially are angered that a lot of what they've accomplished has been called into question again. I think that has a lot to do with it. And look, I don't think Belichick and Brady are going to let this Patriots team lose three straight Super Bowls either. I think if they keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, that increases their chances. As long as he doesn't break, contain, extend plays, that's when he's dangerous throwing the ball down the field. Look for Gronkowski to have a big game. I'm going New England. I'll say 31-24.
1: Just for the record, so our listeners know, Patrick is wearing a New England Patriots sweatshirt. Just he's so we all ready know, to go. I will have another one on on pumped up Sunday. Up for the game. very ready to go. Uh, Taylor, who's been engineering the second half of the show. Taylor, who you got this week? I'm going to have to go with Patrick on this one. I think the Patriots are going to take it. No, it's not been a long road at the plate gate and what's been going on with that so after this i think that they're gonna have some fire underneath them and they have a lot to prove in the nfl and i think that it's gonna motivate them to take the take the win on sunday all right i think we have our supervising producer anthony music back there no he left the room and finally uh does our executive producer bob aarons have a pick before we get into our picks here great guys in the back there today but christian <laughs> You before I get right. mine. All right. The waiting all show. Who are you taking to the Super Bowl? Kelly,
5: my boy Eli Manning is not there to deny Tom <laughs> Brady his fourth Super Bowl ring. So with that, by the by Sunday night at about 11 p.m. Eastern time, Tom Brady will be the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Bill Belichick will be up there into discussion as one of the greatest head coaches ever. I think you're going to get a dose of lag Blunt. I think Gronkowski will be a key, and again, like I said, um, guys like Tim Wright, Brandon LaFell, these X-Factors, Julian Edelman. I just think Tom Brady, and again, going to Taylor's and Patrick's point, the Flategate is something that will light a fire under this team. They will be hungry. They will come out like wild dogs. New England 30, Seattle 23.
1: All right, guys. all Last one here is myself giving my pick now. This pains me. A lot. Oh,
3: of course I is.
1: am a die-hard Jets fan for our listeners out there. This is very painful to say. But Don't I think that there's a reason Jarrell Revis went to New England. I think there's a reason why that New England has gotten so far this year. I think that there's a reason why Deflategate really won't deflate the New England Patriots. I think that they will... Be the ones to come out on top, and I'm going to go similar score to Christians. Go 31-24. New England will be a lot closer than the last year's Super Bowl. Seattle will be in the game. New England's not blowing them out by any means, but I do think that it's going to come down to Tom Brady versus Russell Wilson. They're going to be able to contain him, keep him in the pocket, and in that matchup, I take Tom Brady. in every day, you never get, you never bet against Tom Brady, as I've learned. Never bet
5: against touchdown Tom. In
1: the past, am I a loner? On you on Seattle? are, Drew. I wrote it down. <laughs> you are alone on Seattle oh, Island wow. right now. <laughs>
2: Wow. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to have to wear my neon green sneakers tonight. I'm um, <laughs> have to do it. I, I, I don't think I gave
4: a, a score prediction, but I'll just go with uh, Patriots by 100.
1: <laughs> well, all right, we're just lighting up every yeah. kind of bet in this game. I think we'll be blowing out all kinds of records with that one. But, uh, Drew, you know what? Hey, you get gloating rights over everybody if you are the yeah, only one that oh, has the Seahawks win, I do. Yeah, absolutely. How much you know, worse is it right. if the
2: Patriots win? All right, well,
5: you know, it's you're the only one. <laughs> well, Drew, right. last year I covered Seattle. I picked Seattle. I was and one of the few people. everyone else picked yeah, Denver. Yeah. Everybody picked Denver, so I got to you know strut around the all station right. for a week.
1: Yeah. All right, okay. keep that in mind. You never okay. know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You guys are in for an interesting last couple days out in Arizona. Be sure to follow Drew Casey and Matt Crow and all their adventures at at WFUV Sports on Twitter and check WFUV Sports, our webpage, to keep, you know, keep updated on what's going on out in Arizona. And they're not going anywhere for too long. They'll be joining me back here once again tomorrow at one o'clock. I'll be here in New York. They're not flying me out to Arizona overnight. (laughs) I'll be here in New York still there. They will be out. In Arizona, we'll have one-on-one on the air on 90.7 on WFUV.org and on WFUVsports.org. Coming to you tomorrow from 1 to 4, we got all your Super Bowl coverage. And we'll talk maybe a little local hockey as well, maybe a little local action, throw those in there, but mainly Super Bowl forty-nine, all the different storylines. We have some great guests lined up. I know Ryan Rucco, another WFUV alum, is one of them and many, many others, so I'm looking forward. To that tomorrow. So, for everyone here today, there's been a lot of us here. I know Brendan Bowers, one of our engineers, helped us get set up. Anthony Pusick came later, helped relieve him. Taylor Gravelia, our engineer. Uh, Patrick Burns, who's done just a tremendous job. And I hope, honestly, I hope for his sake the Patriots win. I think Patrick really wants this win. He was a little bit on edge. You can see it in his oh, eyes. Oh, absolutely. He was a little on edge when they were uh, getting ready to play Baltimore. I remember Patrick and I did at one of the NFL Friday shows there. He was a nervous wreck. So, I hope for his sake that uh, they win. And for Christian O'Hara, my co host here, for Drew Casey, Matt Crow out in Arizona, this is Kelly Coultis. This was a live edition of NFL Friday for Super Bowl 49. We hope you tune in tomorrow, but if not, enjoy your football on Sunday.
0: This has been One On Ones NFL Friday, only on WFUVSports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.